Val Verde. I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty, 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 Why? pretty good. Show 285, and we got a doozy for you, dropping that FF knowledge, giving you the fantasy football goo like we always do week in and week out. This week's show is foreshadowing week four. We've got week four of the NFL already happening. It's crazy when you think about how fast these things go. Feels like yesterday that we were drafting our teams. Holla for a dollar. Doesn't matter what happened, what you did then, you need the information and the goo from guys like us week to week in week to get yourself to the championship and hoist the hardware, uh, cash the checks, and uh, shit and make fun of all your uh, league makes. What's up? Uh, as usual, to the left of me, I've got Houdini, Stag Party across the way, I'm D-Rex, we are Pyromaniac.com, and uh, super fired up here on a beautiful, almost summery day at the end of September to uh, give you the goo. What's going on, boys? Not much. Just ready to talk some football, get through some matchups. We're at week four, so this is, what, the last week without any bye weeks? We're finally going to get to some of those, so you got to start making those difficult decisions. A lot of different things look to clear up this last weekend, a little... Uh, some running back situations look a little bit more clear. Wide receiver situations, we get to see the guys start to put in work no matter who the quarterback is, uh, despite a quarterback play. So that's all good to see. And uh, for me, with everything that's been going on surrounding the game, the product on the field, pretty damn good this last weekend. Pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Yeah, uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of that knee stuff. Not, won't go into too much of it. I think it's uh, a little crazy, man. Just obviously, we're huge on Twitter. Follow us if you're not. At Pyromaniac, that's P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one AC. Uh, always killing it there. Stag Party, throw out your uh, Twitter handle. Pyro Stag with one G, so S-T-A-G. Pretty quick. Pyro Stag. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um... All right, Houdini, what's your um, what's your what's your grinder uh, kind of handle? Uh, I have AOL. <laughs> um, amen, guys. Well, as usual, uh, we go through these matchups. 
um, off of, and to be honest guys, I hope it's not going to screw up because I couldn't get to week four when I was doing my notes earlier on NFL.com. I hope it's the same. Uh, well, I hope your first matchup's the same. It's definitely the first couple will be the same, uh, but uh, bear with me. I'll, I'll read it off if it's different, but I'm actually going off of ESPNs because for whatever reason that they just launched a new site, the uh, NFL.com did, and it's pretty, pretty buggy. Uh, they've, they they definitely have it a little buggy. Is it the same or no? Okay. Um, nice. Well, obviously, our boys, the Bears, are going up to Lambeau on Thursday night for Thursday night football. Um, I don't think the um, I don't think the Bears the Bears haven't won a road game uh, since uh, December of 2015. So expectations are pretty low for us Chicago Bears fans to go into um, the uh, Packers' home and get a victory. But let's talk about the fantasy side of things. And uh, what do you guys, obviously, we like to start first with the visiting team. So what, uh, what are you guys seeing? Well, basically, with the Bears, it is a two-player show. They both play the same position. And you can sort of avoid all the other position for redraft purposes. Uh, we're looking at... You know, Chicago having Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. And depending on your scoring system, they are either top 13 running backs or they are top 11 running backs in PPR scoring. So each of them has been getting work done through the first two weeks of the season, or first three weeks of the season. Interesting nugget, Tariq Cohen is on pace to break Matt Forte's single-season reception record. He's currently on pace for 107 catches this season. Well, real quick, do you know how many receptions the wide receivers had last week for the Bears? One. One. So this is why we're talking about completely avoiding them. But uh, a guy like Marcus Wheaton did finally come back, and he was the guy they tried to stretch the field to. He was the guy they, and, you know, he did what Wheaton does and dropped passes. Well, part of that is also because they were actually pretty good throws, is he's coming back off of, what was it, a broken pinky. So... if this is all he does is catch those deep passes, that, those hands are very important, and it might take him a, another couple of weeks before he's fully recovered. Yeah, I, I'm liking Wheaton as maybe the long-term stash play, but that thinking about playing him right now is long, long, long uh, off the board for me, especially even against this porous Packers secondary. Uh, we saw A.J. Green just do whatever he wanted last week. Uh, the sort of secondary ancillary players for the Bengals couldn't get much done and all the Bears receivers are sort of below ancillary. Well not only that but you also have basically uh, I don't know if you heard it when Mike Glennon actually was uh, talking this week and talking about when they didn't take a lot of as many chances. They took a couple chances early but then really just played a very game manager type game. That's the game plan. Gotta remember this is John Fox. John Fox doesn't like to do anything but pretty much keep the ball, keep the game close, let the defense try to keep them in the game. So don't expect all of a sudden Mike Lennon to all of a sudden go crazy and open up in this offense, especially with the lack of receivers that he has or doesn't have. That's why I'm fading Mike Lennon as hard as I can. Uh, interesting aspect, though, is this is a Thursday night game. They might have time after this game to get Mitchell Trubisky ready. So if you're looking for that two, a week too early sort of quarterback play in two QB leagues or deep leagues where you need that extra passer, Mitch Trubisky could be a good spec ad with ten days coming up after this game to be ready for week five. Although I think that he's not, I don't think he's going to play. 
was sure. because of the fact of the way that Glennon played this last week. Now we'll see again because the Bears were a different team on the road than they have been at home in their first two games. And if they look anything like they did in Tampa Bay, then Green Bay is just going to stomp all over them. Yeah. Uh, uh, so let's move on because basically there's you're not really doing much with the Bears. As Stag Party said, you're really only focusing on um, Jordan Howard and uh, Tree Cohen. Uh, we were at that game. That was a pretty awesome game. Hotter than balls. But, uh, not for that you. Was, I'm in the shade. Oh, uh, you're in the shade? <laughs> yeah, sucker. Holy crap. That was crazy, man. <laughs> It's been a while. I was super hungover from my buddy's uh, birthday party the night before with my nephew, and I was like, "It's one of the first times I was like, uh, this. I, th- I think I gotta go in and like get some nachos uh, down underneath the the uh, <laughs> protection of the the sun. That was nuts. A lot of Steeler fans. So just a couple other notes on the running backs. Jordan Howard is now no longer listed on the injury report with his shoulder injury, so it looks like he's healthy and ready to go. Uh, looks like he could be in for a pretty nice time. Devonta Freeman tallied 84 rushing yards on 19 carries, scored two touchdowns. And they've uh, Tariq Cohen, they've also allowed two scores through the air to running backs. So I think both of those guys are in the starting picture for you. Uh, other than that, your next best play on the Bears is probably a Zach Miller, and even then, that's a tight end too, and you're sort of just hoping maybe they can find him in the end zone. Nice. Let's go over to the uh, Green Bay side of the ball. Um... You know, what are you, what are you thinking? Let's start with the running back situation. I know that, um, you know, Ty Montgomery's getting opportunities um, out the wazoo and getting a ton of snaps. Um, I guess he's kind of doing pretty good with them, but uh, it's well, a weird situation. It wasn't great last week. I mean, it was 35 yards on 12 carries. So this is where that attrition of, you know, playing all these games uh, is going to potentially catch up to him. But still extremely active as a wide receiver. Uh, especially at PPR leagues, 12 targets. He had eight catches last week, so um, only managed 15 yards on those, so he didn't really, wasn't really productive in it, but he is definitely a big part of what they do. And if you think about with the Bears, what do the Bears have a strength? The strength is actually on their front line where they have about seven different guys that they rotated it out, and guys like Leonard Floyd that can put pressure. Well, but what are they lacking right now? Well, you don't have Jarrell Freeman, and you don't have Kwiatkowski who's out there, so you're having Christian Jones, and you have some weaknesses in the linebacker court. That's potentially where Ty Montgomery can take advantage of in this game with some of those late screen drop dump-offs, things like that. The issue is the guy they want to you know give more carries to, Jamal Williams, has sort of been awful. There's a good uh, tweet from Evan Silva. In 29 preseason and regular season carries, Jamal Williams has yet to gain more than six yards on a single carry. So if you're looking for a guy with a little more explosion, it is not uh, Jamal Williams right now. We've got to remember that... Uh, you know, Ty Montgomery, his real coming out party was last year against the Bears. So, yeah, you know, in the, they, in the first round of the playoffs. Against me. Fantasy playoffs. The fantasy Bears didn't make play, it yeah. that far. Fantasy, <laughs> fantasy playoffs. Uh, uh, but, hey, this is all about fantasy. Yeah, man. we're a fantasy site. Come on. Uh, Ty Montgomery looks locked in for a big workload, just as he uh, sort of has this first couple weeks. And he's just waiting to get those more explosive runs, and I expect those to start coming. We saw those happen. He's still breaking tackles at a high rate and making yards happen after contact. So I'm not too worried about Ty Montgomery. He was a full participant in practice today after apparently banging up his wrist in that last game. Uh, Also, Randall Cobb was a full participant, so it looks like he's going to be back and ready to go against the Bears. And that, that could be trouble because we know how Randall Cobb dominates the Bears. And 
you know, Jordy Nelson, all these receivers looking prime spots. Uh, the one you got to drop back is Geronimo Allison, who ended up with 122 yards uh, filling in for Randall Cobb. A lot of those coming late in the game as they were trying to push for overtime. Yeah, and the other thing, though, Allison is that guy, the fourth receiver on the Packers. That if anything happens to any of the guys ahead of him, all of a sudden he gets vaulted into a much more favorable position. Uh, again, I look at the way that the Packers have been running their offense so far. It's been mostly predicated on the pass, and that's because they oh, yeah. can't really fully establish that running attack. And that's a lot to do with the strength of their offensive line right now and being beat up at that position. And the so, Bears, the Bears, the Bears are good. The Bears. The, well, the Bears aren't. They're good at stopping the run. They're that's actually eighth in the league uh, at 85, uh, 83 yards a game against uh, runners. So they're going to have to do it through the air against the Bears pretty much as well. Yeah, and look at what the Bears have not done it against slouches either. Uh, doing a good job against Le'Veon Bell, holding him to 61 yards on 15 carries. They did a good job against the the dynamic duo of Atlanta in, uh, in Week yep. 1. Uh, obviously, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did not present much of, uh, of a threat in the backfield, but they weren't able to run either. Yep. So, um, I look at where the Bears are susceptible. It's in that secondary and taking the shots. If you look, go back to that Bear game uh, against Pittsburgh this last week, the first drive of the game could have been a 70 or yard plus touchdown to Martavis Bryant. It was just off his hands, but he was clearly behind the defense. There were so many just off his hands yeah. plays in that game. Yeah, but we do look at the run game, and they have allowed each running back one who has faced them this week to score a bunny touchdown. Uh, so if you're looking at things, Ty Montgomery is doing well right now. He's scoring touchdowns and catching passes. So he's locked in as a borderline you know, RB1, RB2, you know, right around that RB12 range. The receivers are all locked in as probably top 30, 35 options. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with Randall Cobb being back out there, drop down Geronimo Allison. The real question on this team is can you play Martellus Bennett? with sort of his ineffectiveness over the first three but weeks of the season. Can't you play him because he's going against the Bears? A I mean, former team. Sure. This is one of those ones. If you got him at this he's point got, time, He's got former teams that have to leave. I know. He can only have so many payback revenge games. <laughs> but he was with the Bears for, for a couple of years. It wasn't like the Giants was just one year, you know. So No, that's true. Uh, one last thing. Uh, Ger- Geronimo, you guys see on that play, did you guys see uh, Pac-Man Jones uh, following him? And, like, he got beat. Then he ran back, and then he got like totally juked again. And then another. It was hilarious when you. I like Pac-Man, but he's obviously a putz. But it was fun to watch him run around Keystone Cop style and having Geronimo make him look silly. So, talking about the Bears and their coverage against tight ends, outside of the 88-yard touchdown pass to Austin Hooper in Week One, they've hold, they've held Cameron Bray to two for 24, OJ Howard for one for 17. Uh, and Jesse James for two for 19. And they only really allowed that other 30-yard pass to Austin Hooper. So you're looking at you know pretty good coverage outside of one play. But the Bears are expected to be down a couple more defenders this week with Quinton Dems having a, uh, Dems having a fractured forearm. Yeah, okay. Uh, I wish I wanted to go. I wish I wanted to go to, go to that game. Um, but I can't. I, sometime in my life, I want to go to Lambeau, though. It'd be good on Thursday night, too, because yeah. then you don't have to worry about all the other fantasy things. Yeah, it would, it would be sick, but it's just not in the cards this time. I've, uh, I've seen two games at Lambeau. That's sick. You're a stud. Um, all right, next game is actually another London game, Wembley Stadium. Uh, this one, we've got the New Orleans Saints are going to be playing against the Miami Dolphins. 
Um, so once again, remember to get up goddamn early and, or, and uh, check and see if there's any injuries if you're starting at these fools. Right? Piss me off. Like, <laughs> hey, wake up early. Make sure to pull out some guys that don't really matter from your rankings. Like, oh, thanks. I appreciate you guys. Uh, really makes me happy. Thank you very much. But at least in this game, there are you know plenty of fantasy relevant players. Uh, you look at Drew Brees against the Dolphins. There's nothing you don't like about that. It is Drew Brees on the lo- on the road though, in a game that's expected to be you know Englandish, rainy, dark, gloomy, all those th- all those things they say when you watch a soccer match. A little bit slower pace maybe for the uh, New Orleans Saints, but we're looking at the run game starting to get together last week. Alvin Kamara making plays, uh, you know Ingram making plays in both the receiving game and the rushing game. Even Adrian Peterson making some plays happen after contact, and when they can get up in the game, it looked like AP was more involved. So he's going to be that late game hammer. So they have established roles there, but unfortunately, the three of them makes it hard to start a deal. Yeah, not only does it make it hard to start any of them, it's also kind of, you're looking at where, does Adrian Peterson really fit? Because when Adrian Peterson is out there, they're going to run the ball. There's, there's no threat of a pass. When you have Ingram back there or you have Kamara back there, they can run their offense. They can, they can still do whatever they want to do. I, I just look at it, for me, Adrian Peterson, I, I don't need to have him on a fantasy team regardless at this point in time. He's not getting all those uh, majority of, of, of carries in the red zone. He doesn't add anything, especially if you're in a PPR league. does any value as a receiver at this point in time in his career. He only played 13 snaps in the last week's game. Yeah, that's the only thing. Because he's done. And two catches. So yeah. see, when he's in the game, they're getting him the ball. But still, it's like until something really changes. But he, yeah. he's a volume guy that needs to be touching the ball 25 to 35 times a game to be effective like Adrian can be effective. He'll never be that way in this offense. I, I agree. But also Sean Payton's been using him as that sort of, hey, I need to make the big play action pass happen here. I'm going to stick Adrian Peterson in the backfield. I'm going to go under center, and we're going to run a shot play to Ted Ginn. We're going to run a shot uh, shot play to Tommy Lee Lewis, and and now they're getting Willie Sneed back this week from suspension. Yeah, that's so that so that's a big impact yeah. on their offense. Uh, so I expect Ted Ginn's targets to overall come back a little bit, but he's only been seeing a few game anyways. Brandon Coleman's probably the guy who takes the biggest loss in terms of snaps, but they're using him as sort of the Ted Ginn replacement in the red zone. So they're splitting a role, and they've just got a lot of weapons here that makes it tough to trust any of them. And Kobe Fleener was even relegated to just 19 snaps last week. So so we're looking at an offense that's piecemealing together, trying to get the Jimmy Graham for 10 plays, trying to get, you know... uh, Brandon Cooks out there with Ted Ginn for half the game and then trying to get a different guy in the red zone. And they're trying to piecemeal our offense together. That leaves like one real start-worthy player a week, and that's Michael Thomas. Yeah, and, Michael and, Thomas, and, and Andrew Brees. Andrew Brees. Andrew Brees. Andrew Brees, Andrew Brees yes. But I'll tell you what, if I look at that backfield, the, the shares that I want to start buying into are Kamara because he's the guy that actually has been showing something. He's the rookie that they invested in. And look, They've, they've changed the rules now, so don't tell me that there's not a potential that you can deal 
a Adrian Peterson or maybe you deal a Mark Ingram before the trade deadline if things aren't looking the way that they that, they, that you want them to be looking from a record standpoint? Well, I don't know. I think the one thing you know in this game and you're loving it about it is it's uh, over-under on it's 50 points. So Vegas thinks there's going to be some scoring in it. Saints, after a big win that made it so they didn't go on three, are favored by uh, just a little bit. After uh, kind of a real shit game from Miami, so uh, that's good for them. And Fleener, can you believe it? The guy's scoring right now. Fleener is, uh, I think, seventh for tight ends or something. He's got more points than Kelsey, Rudolph, Gates, Martellus, and Jordan Reed. Um, that relegation to 19 snaps obviously doesn't bode very well for the guy. Um, but um, you know, he's doing he, so far through three games. He's he's, he's doing all right. Yeah, and of course, it was basically just the it, first two games. Yeah, he's had he's had two touchdowns, and that just shows you. Like they literally, Jordan Reed, Martellus, and Rudolph, I think, have under ten points uh, each. <laughs> uh, maybe Rudolph's got a little bit more. But Drew Brees, of course, is he ever not top five? Not since he's been in New Orleans. Not recently. <laughs> he's number four right now, and he was like the one guy that was number four. In, uh, the, uh, and the he last... hasn't had an amazing game yet. Yeah. The guy's just a beast. So let's go on to the other side of the ball. Uh, for me, I'm sitting Ingram. I've got him a couple shares of him. I mean, he played 31 snaps, which was twice as much as the other guys, but it's just it – just... I mean, it he has needs, to be... He needs to be a hammer as well. He need the, he's the kind of guy that has shown over the last couple of years he's gotten better at the pass catching. He needs to be, get plays. He needs to get going. He needs to get that confidence. And I think right now it's just like right when he gets it going, it's like whoop! They pull the uh, they the pull right yeah they right pull the right and he's just like he's a, he's kind of a mental guy that way and has he's touchy. So I'm really worried about that guy. I hope he's the one that gets traded. To be honest, um, to a good situation. But go on. What do you got, Staggy? So the last thing on Ingram is. He's just seeing the targets right now. So he's got five, five, and four through three games. Uh, he's being involved in that area. They're running him. Uh, he's averaging four and a half yards per carry. He just hasn't scored a touchdown yet. So Ingram's like, if you're going for that desperation flex out of the Saints' backfield, he's sort of the safest play. Uh, the other guys are, you know, big play dependent. I don't know if Adrian Peterson has that in him, but we have seen that from Alvin Kamara. Kamara, if you take away what his 25-yard touchdown last week, he had a shit game, right? Yeah. yeah. He had one play. Um, but he's he's getting it done. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from him, but he's like he's like kind of busting that big play. But uh, Those young legs, man. Those young yeah. legs are able to I don't take it. away long plays from anybody. I, I agree. Okay, <laughs> I agree. I'm a big play guy, and I draft guys with big play ability, so I, I agree. Let's flip over to the other side. Let's talk about the Miami Dolphins. Jake Cutler led. I bet they're going to love his attitude in London. He just seems like a type of guy that they'd like, to right go, they'd like to go out and smoke fags with and drink a couple <laughs> pints with. Uh, of things I know, that sounds like one of the things they'd like to do, do with Jay. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to like watching him play, but this is a matchup you know, primed for success. Right now, like last year, the Saints are a sieve against sort of opposing quarterbacks. They can't do anything in terms of defend the pass. They're giving up long plays. Uh, last year, the Saints, uh, besides you know Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and the other guys, the next highest scoring quarterback was whoever played the Saints. Right now, that is sticking, and they are allowing 21.8 uh, fantasy points per game, which will be second 
to uh, Tom Brady in scoring. So you could fire up Jay as a streamer this week. Well, and the thing is, too, that they will hopefully get a much better uh, effort out of the running game uh, this week than they did last week, where Jay Ajay was not effective as a runner uh, with only 15 or 16 yards on, like, eight carries. So... The Saints suck there, too, so you got that going. Well, that's what I'm saying. So hopefully this is going to be able to establish things because uh, Jay became kind of one-dimensional last week and, and, you know, take some chances, but wasn't really getting, didn't get that much done, 220 yards with a touchdown and a pick. But the encouraging thing here, too, is I look at the receivers, okay? And you had double-digit targets for Devontae Parker, for Jarvis Landry, and, amazingly, for Kenny Stills. So... Stills is that guy that they're going to use to kind of take the top off and, and, and do those things. But Parker's also that main outside threat. I, I, I think we could see that we know Cutler feels more comfortable with him. Landry is still getting his good share of targets, and he had a great performance in, the, in their first game, really kind of came back down to earth a bit in this last week. But it leads you to believe this. Parker really is going to be the guy who's going to flourish more with Jay Cutler. Uh, than uh, Jarvis Landry, but Jarvis Landry is still going to be a very big part of this offense on a weekly basis. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Going back with the Jay Ajayi thoughts, though, where the Saints really have been beaten up by opposing running backs currently is in the passing game. Yeah. They have allowed 29 passes to be caught against them on 35 targets for 290 yards and a touchdown. Uh, they've only allowed one touchdown on the ground, but... You know, can Jay Ajayi add that receiving aspect to his game this week, or is it still going to be Damian Williams that they use to exploit in the past game? It's, it's kind of funny with the Saints because they actually played amazing this week against Cam and really stifled Cam had like a 43.8 passer rating, had three interceptions, but you look at the Saints overall, and they're third to last in points allowed. They're allowing 26 points per game. Third to last in passing yards at uh, 311 passing yards a game, to, to back up what you were just saying. And they're second to last in total yards allowed at 438. And you want to know who is allowing the most yards per game? By like almost... 150 more than that. The Patriots. The Patriots are allowing 200 more than than the Carolina Panthers. More 210 more yards per game than the Panthers. What's the name? What's the name Saints. of their defensive coordinator? The guy with the big beard, who everyone thought was going to get a job with the pencil in it all the time. Uh, what's the guy's name? What's that? The guy. The oh, I don't know. I looked like him on Saturday before <laughs> so, I cut this wall. So like, that guy's got. He's got to be like, man. Oh, Matt Depricia or Matt yeah, Patricia? Yeah, Matt yeah. Patricia. Why couldn't I get a goddamn job? Now I'm never gonna get a job. You know that. You know in his, in his meetings with Belichick. Well, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll we get, get there. Um, but yeah, it's so weird that they had such a great game, but they're still so futile in, in their defense. So you're loving starting uh, pretty much every Dolphin for that reason as you're going on. And, and, I mean, start all those receivers. We talked about how they're getting double-digit targets uh, and each ha- sort of has an independent role. The Miami Dolphins tight end really isn't getting anything done in Julius Thomas, so you, you're going to avoid that. So you're looking at the receivers, you're looking at J.H.I., but there's nobody on this team I don't think is a streamable start, uh, especially Kenny Stills, who's a guy you can pick up off some waiver wire still. Uh, but Devontae Parker looks locked in. Still. Nah, I see how I did that. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna play a lot of dolphins this weekend if I've got them. Can I uh, can I ask you one thing? And I think this helps out the whole team. It's not really asking, but um, Gase is pissed too. 
Gase is like, I'm sick of this fucking garbage offense. Like, been, this is his second year here. They bring in Jay Cutler. Uh, they thought that he knew the offense, knew the system. Let's be honest, through their two games that they played so far, it's been a stripped-down offense for him. They haven't been opening up the whole cachet of different plays. Um, it really, and, he, and he's still kind of, it's not really happening. So I like the fact that Gase is basically calling out his offense in, in public and saying, they, this is garbage, let's get it going. So let's see how they react. It's kind of the perfect merger of playing this defense, having your coach, who's an offensive guru, so to speak, and having a lot of talent on the offense like Miami does. Let's see if they step it up. You guys got anything else in this game? All right, let's go to. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong. Let's go to Tennessee at. Okay, I've got them reordered. The Tennessee at Houston. Um, what do you got? Good. I mean, looking at the Tennessee Titans, they. No, they played great against the Seahawks. The amount of pressure they were able to keep off Marcus Mariota. <laughs> Uh, big gaping lanes that they were able to open, you know, late in the game in the run game were awesome. Uh, Rashard Matthews made plays without Corey Davis, so you sort of liked everything you saw from that against a tough, tough Seattle defense. Now you're looking at you know another tough defense in the Houston Texans, but that have shown signs of weakness, uh, you know, against Tom Brady and against other players from time to time. And Mariota sort of got that poise. And, you know, if you can't get to Mariota because he's got that great offensive line, he can pick you apart. So Houston needs to get pressure with their front four. But Tennessee looks, you know, like the offense we sort of all thought they could be. So I think Mariota you're definitely gunning for. They don't have any corners that scare you anymore after the departure of Boye. Um, they're beat up in the secondary right now. So. They let up a lot of points. This team, I think they're third. They're third to last in point, allowing up points. To offenses. That's a good time uh, for um, the, the Titans, especially after coming off, like you said, that great uh, Seahawks defense and being able to put up points. I mean, that offensive line is fucking just—they're bad. They take every challenge, rushing and pass protection, and they're just. I, I think I'm. Whatever. Well, this was finally, this was finally their first game to really establish the running backs, and they did that. You know, when you think about how successful Murray was, well, never that was that back. was all just one play. Yeah. Okay. Seventy-five yard touchdown yeah. that he was untouched on. But Derrick Henry ran the ball well, so you know, you're just what I what I'm seeing is, is the other thing that I really like when I look at these this team and like who I want to buy shares in and who I've talked about all preseason long. My favorite guy on this team was Richard Matthews. And it was everyone's thinking, oh, well, Decker's coming. All these different pieces are coming in. He's I not going to get the, the target shares and stuff anymore. He's the only guy that had double-digit targets last week. Yeah, you know, Also, Corey Davis is out, though, so you don't have to worry about him. That's, that's still too. going on, right? He's not playing this week, is uh, he? I mean, he was such an early sort of scratch last week that he'll probably end up missing this game as well. But the other fact is, who does Mariota have the most rapport with? It's Delaney, not with Eric Decker who just came Walker. over. Fuck <laughs> Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker is still doing some of his stuff, but when you're looking for bigger plays down the field, he's not looking to Delaney Walker. He's looking to Rashard Matthews. You want to know who leads the league in scoring? The Tennessee Titans. Los Angeles Rams. No, it's not a team. Player. No? Ryan Suckup. Oh, yeah. That kind of <laughs> Guys, story. 
Guys, yeah, uh, brother. Go go dude, kick this kick this I was thinking, I'm like, I'm like, I was going to say, it's got to be a kicker. Yeah. Um, he's he's killing it, though. So that's a guy. If, uh, if he's around, probably not. But um, scoring a lot of points because so are the Titans. Um, what else uh, What else should we say? Isn't uh, Derrick Henry injured right now? I didn't hear that. <clears throat> okay, I can look that up. But um, what else you got for this team? I mean, they're going to go back to trying to establish that run and throw off it because I think that's what really, really makes sense for this team. Uh, you look at all the players that they have in the backfield and sort of the emergence of their second tight end and Johnny Smith who's been able to make plays vertically down the field. Uh, they've, they've got weapons all over the field uh, with Taylon Taylor uh, going into the slot and Decker going outside with Corey Davis out there. They've got weapons all over. I don't really dislike anybody against this Texans defense, although I could see this being one of those uh, slow-down slugfests. Interesting factoid before I get on to you. Um, <laughs> get on to me. Oh, Come um, on to me, buddy. Come on to me. So Matt Castle actually started for the Titans the last time these two teams played and got the W. So that has to hurt the Texans' little uh, egos a little bit. Yeah, I, I just say I, I'm not really wouldn't look forward to start any other uh, options in the passing game, though, besides Delaney Walker and Rashard Matthews, for my opinion, for my taste. You look at what uh, what he does. Between wide receivers and tight ends last week, he, he completed passes to seven different receivers. So, Marcus Mariota is not going to just all of a sudden pick one guy and just go and he spreads it around. And that's where at least I know if I'm getting more of a target share with Richard Matthews, I go that way and Delaney Walker again because of the rapport with those two guys. Cool. Let's... Uh before we go over to the other side of the ball, um, and that's obviously the Houston Texans, do us a favor. Uh, listen to this. All right, Houston Texans. Uh, their offense is um, it's 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 an interesting beast right now. It's just I, I don't really know what to put, how to put my finger on it. It's led by a rookie. It's go for it. It's a, well, it's 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 a new offense, right? So it's kind of like a kind of like getting a new house. Congratulations. Thank you. That's wonderful. We're so happy it's a beautiful here. beautiful house. We sure are. So come on, I'll give you the tour. Uh, you know what? That's okay. I, I, I get it. What do you mean? Well, you know, it's bedrooms, bathrooms. I, I, I get it. I see it. It's beautiful. It's great. You don't want a tour? Well, you don't need to walk me right, Get the house. fuck out of my house, okay, Larry? Just get the fuck out right now. Freak of fucking nature doesn't want a house tour. I hate fucking house tours. I'm so with Larry David. I'm oh, this is where you take a shit? Yeah, yeah. Let me see this. Oh, this is my closet. Let me, oh, it smells like moths. I hate tours. Like, I'm like him. Whenever it's like someone's tour, I'm like, yeah, it looks great. I'm going to just plop down. Where, uh, where, where's the beer? Yeah. A couple bedrooms, yeah. couple bathrooms. Too, <laughs> too bad, too bad? <laughs> smells in here. This must be the shitting room. Uh, all right, let's go. What is, so, let one of you guys talk about it. I, in all, all honesty, this is one of the teams that I've seen to watch the least. I've got shares on none of these guys, and that's my bad. i got to make sure I go back and uh, check out some of their tape, but I just haven't really watched them. I mean, Deshaun Watson has made plays. He, you know, almost ran back, uh, you know, ran a comeback against the Patriots last week who had never lost to a rookie quarterback. Took a great Tom Brady late drive to get them back in the game, but he scored over 20 fantasy points. 
Uh, he threw for over 300 yards. He's rushing the ball, so he's giving you that four or five points a game. Rushing the ball, he's got a nice floor because of that rushing in the Tyrod Taylor mold. Mm-hmm. But he will take shots down the field, and he will give guys like DeAndre Hopkins a chance to make plays. Uh, and that's great for DeAndre Hopkins because he's seeing targets, targets, targets galore. And the the catch percentage that he had last week on the targets, seven of eight, uh, coming from uh, from Watson. And also Griffin was the other guy that was uh, heavy on the, uh, on the on the target catch. Was a five out of six. I, I mean, with CJ Fedorowicz on IR, it looks like Griffin's the tight end to own here. And if you're looking for a, you know a sneaky tight end, that could be the guy to pick up. Uh, because they've literally got no one else catching the ball behind uh, DeAndre Hopkins. It's like DeAndre Hopkins, and then they get a couple to Bruce Ellington, won a game to Braxton Miller, and and then you're looking at throws to the backfield, and Dante Foreman made a big play out of the backfield last week, and Lamar Miller, who's just been getting it done in terms of converting those short catches uh, into some yards as the dump-off option, but overall, Ryan Griffin could be the second-best passing game option in on this team. Yeah, and the other thing is that these running backs, uh, it's interesting, have just not really performed as well. The line is not doing a great job. They were uh, missing three of their five starting offensive linemen this okay, week. Here you go. So it's difficult for that for that running game to get going. And, you know, Lamar Miller has kind of been frustrating to, to, to own, right? Because you're not getting the touchdowns. You're not getting, like, the big, huge chunk plays and things like that. And now Dante Foreman is, is starting to eat into that as well because they like what they see out of the rookie. And he's starting to get, like, it's kind of like a 40% share of the, of, the, of the touches there. So that becomes concerning. But I love the fact you got to look at, the, at Deshaun Watson, okay? When you think about you want to buy into him for this week, I think it's not necessarily a bad idea, but you want to buy into him for potential long-term down the road. The difference is this when we talk about with, with Tyrod Taylor and what he was doing. He's got more weapons than what Tyrod Taylor had with just Sammy Watkins, who was always injured, and then all he had was Charles Clay. Uh, he also has the faith of the organization because they drafted him in the first round. They want him to be everything that he's going to trade, be. Didn't they trade up again? Yeah, yeah. So he's going to get the opportunities to be able to make the mistakes and not have it ruin him, right? And the fact that he's adding these rushing yards. But then look at the fact of what Deshaun Watson is. He's a gamer and he's a winner. He did it in college. He he thrives in those pressure situations. And he's able to kind of pull some you know monkeys out of his ass a couple times. The thing is he thrives in pressure situations but not against pressure. So, you know... If Tennessee can get more pressure on him, that's where it's really going to make a difference. And as teams go along, it, the more you blitz him, the more he's going to be in trouble. So that's something to watch as we go forward. But I think this week he's a, you know, a strong, strong stream play. And if you want to use him in DFS, I think he provides some value there. Um, other than that, it's if you're starting Miller, it's like it, as a flex play, yeah. To get you six to eight points. If that. I mean, he's got six points every week, so it's not like he hasn't done that. Uh, and Dante Foreman's sort of a... Didn't he only have one catch last week, 15 yards? Yeah, but he also rushed for 56 yards. Oh, uh, yeah. And go. he's rushing 
between 56 and 65 yards every game this season. He, he's been like, okay, like he's a back-end RB2 who doesn't have that oh, weekly upside. I thought you were talking Braxton Miller. No, Braxton Miller's a bum. <laughs> like, what are you talking about, six points Miller? Okay, sorry about that. Lamar Miller, for, for clarity's sake. Let's do it, Lamar. Let's um, go to the next game. Yeah, let's do it. Before we do, uh, I want to take a little quick moment to give a pyro promo. Uh, just... Well, we got to ride it while we're hot. Hope we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow morning with Fantasy Pros. But after two weeks, uh, we announced this on our show last Wednesday. But out of uh, over 130 fantasy experts through two weeks, uh, our Pyro Heat Index uh, is we are in num- first place in player rankings week to week in season. Uh, we're excited to see how we did this week. Hopefully we did pretty well um, this week and we can uh, stay at the top. Uh, if not, it's a long season, but really excited for the heat index and our algorithm and our model, um, how it's performing so far. And uh, Stag Party and the Archer working hard on um, making sure that that beast um, keeps on grinding and keeps on giving you guys the good fantasy football player rankings. So check out uh, check out our player rankings. Uh, you can, for free, come to Pyromaniac.com. You hit the main navigation for player rankings, and uh, you'll be able to see the list view of them, get the rankings, get the information you want. And uh, if you become a Pyro Pro, you'll get all the goo. And I'll talk about that with a little bit of a Pyro promo later on in the show, uh, what you get uh, in our player rankings and the heat index and the other things in Pyro Pro later in the show. So let's go on to the next uh, game, and that will be the Jaguars at the Jets. Both teams that surprised on Sunday. Um, I think the Jaguars uh, made it clear that um, I don't know if it was situational just against that team, but they are gonna. They needed to start getting the ball out to the tight end, and uh, they did just that. What are you guys thinking in this matchup? Uh, let's try and cruise a little bit through this one, because there's better games down the road, but um, I'll kind of shut up and let you guys do your thing. I mean, with Mercedes Lewis, it looks like a one-week wonder, but Tight end is so thin right now. There's very few players to trust. You've got to, you know, pick and choose matchups. And the Ravens have been one of those susceptible matchups so far this season because they have literally shut down opposing wide receivers uh, so far through three weeks. And you know they allowed some plays to Allen Hearns, some plays to Marquise Lee. But overall, they've been very, very good against opposing wide receivers. Jimmy Smith is back healthy and shutting down sort of opponents number ones so that's something to look forward to but Mercedes is not going to score three touchdowns every week but his size does give them another weapon with Allen Robinson on AR and you know we haven't seen Marquise Lee really be a dominant touchdown scorer at the NFL level so outside of Allen Hearns he's their second weapon especially when you can run that little play action fake with Leonard Fournette and then just get the dump off over the top to the big target in Mercedes Lewis. So overall, I don't think Lewis is going to be a dominant fantasy performer, but I think he should be on your radar uh, from week to week. Hearns, Hearns looks like another strong play uh, just because the Jets' corners aren't really getting it going. Uh, you know, Maurice Claiborne has played well at times, but you know, overall, there's nothing here to scare you off from the New York Jets. Like, if you want to play any of these guys as streamers, you could definitely do that. Uh, the Jets are currently allowing uh, t- tied for the fourth, fourth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. 
Uh, Marquise Lee and Alan Hearns look like wide receiver fours or flex plays. Uh, the rest of the wide receiving core, you know, can be ignored right now. Keelan Cole's playing a lot of snaps as the third sort of outside receiver. Um, but Leonard Fournette also looks like the guy who, who can come in and just, even if it's just for the dummy touchdown, it, it's points. And the Jets, you know, run defense hasn't been as physically imposing as it has over the last uh, previous couple seasons. Yeah, now we'll see if the Jets are able to capitalize on what they did uh, last week against uh, JHI and if they're able to stymie Leonard Fournette. But Fournette, he's just that hammer that you're just going to keep using and he's going to get the uh, the big amount of touches. So when I look at this one for this week, when I'm thinking about my fantasy team, I, I would consider those receivers that you were saying, Marquise Lee and Alan Hearns. If I have for my flex play or my last wide receiver a bad matchup with one of my guys that I would normally start, then I elevate them maybe from from this standpoint. But otherwise, um, I usually would still, depending on the matchup, uh, these guys, as you said, are like wide receiver fours. So they're they're right on that cusp this week if you want to start them or not. But they are playing. Let's go to the Jets side of the ball. Uh, Is is Forte going to get traded? Yeah, I'm Forte got a little bit banged up last week, so I have no idea what's going on. With All right, Forte. talk about the Jets as quickly as you freaking uh, can. I, the Jet I most likely want to play is the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. <laughs> um, I, you know, Josh McCown, he's been okay, you know, taking care of the football decently, but he'll still throw those picks. That offensive line, you know, is you know surrendered some sacks. The running back position, they're running three and four-way splits at that position. So it's just a a nightmare. Robbie Anderson's the guy who they seem to look to to make the big play. So he's maybe the guy and maybe Jermaine Curse. But but, but, but with Robbie Anderson, you got to say, don't read into what the the stat line was at the end of the day. It was was all a 69-yard catch, three for 95. Yep, but like I don't want to start anybody on a Jets. The, The closest guy to starting... A coin flip between Jermaine Curse and Robbie Anderson. I agree. All right, let's move on then. Let's go to the uh, Panthers and uh, oh, I'm, yeah, at the uh, Patriots. No, Sorry, PK. My bad, bro. It's Austin Safarian Jenkins deserves mention. Coming back off suspension last week, he didn't see you know nice targets and game script should be in his favor for you know some catch up targets, some garbage time targets. Nice. Panthers, right. Pats? Yeah, let's go to the Panthers at the Patriots. Um, and, I mean, let's let's be honest. The Panthers, you got Cam Newton coming off a, a shite box game. Uh, not looking pretty good. Finally, uh, McCaffrey got, uh, got you're, it. You're being nice here because he's coming off a shite box season. Season, yeah, he's terrible. Um, he's not doing very well. Look at his country in the stat line. Yeah. 17 of 26, 167 yards, no touchdowns. Three interceptions, sacked four times, although he did have three rushes for 16 yards and a touchdown. But his outfit before, walking to the tunnel to, before he got dressed up, and afterwards at the presser. Phenomenal? Just phenomenal. The go. best in the league, for sure. So, Cam Newton has less fantasy points than Case Keenum, who has played one last game. Jesus. Like, I, Cam Newton is absolutely a bench until... You see more out of him. Even though the Patriots are giving up the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, you know, he's like a stream dart right now because his accuracy on short passes just isn't there. And that was the concern we had all offseason. 
Um, he, he hasn't been able to put it out there, especially with Kelvin Benjamin now a little banged up. If he misses, then you're looking at Devin Funches, wide receiver one, no Greg Olson. So you're looking at maybe Christian McCaffrey is their best overall receiver. Yeah, like what he's is. doing in yards. What was my bet with you on him? I think it's going to come true. A top 10 running yeah, back? Yeah, top 10 that running back when it's all said and done. Okay, where is he at right now? That was me. I th- I, I'm not asking where he's at right now. I'm, no. I'm looking at the foreshadowing of his 100-yard receiving game last week. Okay. And I'm a foreshadow that it's only going to get better from here on out. Yeah. He looks like they're only off. That's what I'll think of. Devin Funches. Could, say, could Curtis Samuel start getting a lot more? Uh, yeah, Curtis Samuel did take a couple more weeks before he really gets integrated fully into this offense. The thing is, he did step in for Greg Olson pretty much immediately. Uh, he took sort of those short underneath targets, yeah. um, so he got much more involved. He's an interesting add, you know, if Benjamin were to miss, because he could quickly be elevated. But I don't want anything to do with this team. Like McCaffrey's still the number overall, the thirtieth overall running back in standard scoring, and averaging less than three yards a carry. Like he is a. He only had what four carries in the last game. Uh, yeah. Uh, he, he's a receiver at this point. Yeah, yeah he, had he had four, four carries. Team. He had four carries in the last game. It looks like they're trying to shift his touches to what he's most effective at, being that pass catching running back. So, well, because they have no one to cover that middle level that, that, that Greg Olson was doing before. McCaffrey's the only guy that can operate out of the slot most effectively. Again, because Curtis Samuel, he missed all that time in the preseason. Yeah. It's going to take him four more weeks before they really – because all he's been doing is catching like the short little screen passes and things. He actually hasn't learned the, the full routes yet, so he needs to get a better route tree. Yeah, uh, McCaffrey's probably the strongest start here. Uh, and even then, he's an RB2. I'm not excited to start anybody else. Cool. Let's move on to the next team. Take that to the bank, guys. Carolina, beware. This is not a good situation, not a good fantasy football offense to be starting players on. It does not look right. It looks a little broken. And uh, injuries, uh, serious injuries are happening each week that are making it even worse. Uh, let's go to the other side of the ball and talk Tom about Brady, the Tom Brady is done. He's lost it. He He's doesn't have it anymore. Oh, my God. So old. I mean, the guy just, you know, it, you could clearly tell. <laughs> and the best part is now with the defense playing as poorly as they are, he's gonna have to keep putting up points. Yep, yep. It, it's it's great times for Tom Brady. He's got like 160 more passing yards than the next closest player. He's got what two more touchdowns than the next closest quarterback. He's just lighting it up right now. And there's nothing that you don't like. Uh, you know, going up against Carolina, who does possess sort of one of the tougher defenses in the league, but they just got sort of beat up by Drew Brees last week. Uh, that you're not too scared of them. Um, well, overall, it it overall, Tom Brady's a start every week. Brandon Cooks is you know a top five wide receiver. What's Chris Hogan, a top six wide receiver? Uh, both those guys look like weekly starts. Uh, Mike Gillisley for bunny touchdowns, potentially, you know, he's got that two touchdowns. Deeper PPR leagues, you better consider Danny Amendola because now that he's healthy and as long as he stays healthy, he becomes a bigger part of this offense. And especially against a team like the Panthers who run that zone coverage, Danny Amendola could be a sneakier play than a guy like Chris Hogan. 
because the Panthers don't often get beat, you know, super deep because of that, you know, soft zone that they play. But the problem that the Panthers have been having, while their defense can be susceptible, uh, why they were uh, exposed by the uh, uh, the Saints last week, is because if their offense can't keep them off the field, I don't care how good you are, you get tired. They're pretty much in the tops in every status, uh, category of the uh, Panthers. But let's be honest, are you worried about that? For, when, when, when you're, you're playing against the Patriots in New England, yeah, that's the thing. You take any team that's great, you bring them to New England, you put them on the road in that in that environment, it gets to be difficult because the other thing is that the Patriots possess so many weapons and the, the best guy pulling the strings. Every week, uh, my favorite guy, Scott Barrett from uh, Pro Football Focus, does a little fantasy stats that you should know from the week before. And uh, one number three on this week was Tom Brady has uh, 1,092 yards, eight, t- eight touchdowns, and zero interceptions through three weeks. This is the fourth time a quarterback has hit the quadruple-digit yardage mark and total at least eight touchdowns with zero interceptions through the first three weeks of a season in NFL history. The only other quarterback to accomplish accomplished this feat are Brady twice and Peyton Manning twice. So we know that Tom Brady has had two of the biggest fantasy seasons ever. Ones that win you your championship. He did it twice. He did it in 2007, maybe 2012. Uh, I, I maybe that I'm wrong there. But and we know that Peyton Manning has done it twice as well. Where literally he drafted Peyton Manning in his those two big seasons. His first one with the Broncos, maybe the second one. Second uh, one. And second one and that uh, great season he had with the Colts. These are. Amongst the epic seasons, so after three games, it seems pretty good that if Brady can stay healthy, and his, his weapons are getting hurt as well, uh, could be uh, could be the kind of guy that can really help you hoist the hardware. Uh, anything else that you want to go, Gronk, anywhere? I mean, Gronk's locked in. Yeah, what else do you need to say about him? You start. I mean, there's very few tight ends that you can trust right now that makes Gronk even more trustworthy. Totally agree. Um, all right, let's go to the next matchup. That was awesome. We went, we really cruised through that one. Lions at the Vikings. Um, what do you? I thought the Lions lost that game fair and square. Uh, I thought the play, but it, a lot of a lot of people feel like they got kind of j- gypped. What do you What do you guys think? It's close to a gyp. I mean. Right. It's close to a gym. It's, 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 it's like kissing your cousin. You're never going to feel good one way or the other. It, uh, de- it depends how good of a kisser she is. <laughs> okay, then. I, I, I'm not going to mention any names, but I do have... Did you have, ever kiss you kiss a cousin? I have, no, never. But I do have a good buddy that was adopted that uh, might have hooked up with his cousin, and then a few of our friends hooked up with her as well. Just saying... <laughs> I did accuse you of being a shoe whore. Oh, I'm a whore. I'm a whore. Um, she was hot too. Uh, let's go on to. Let's not talk about the lines. So the lines. Look at Matt. <laughs> I started. My mind started racing thinking back on yesteryear. <laughs> so the Lions are looking at Matthew Stafford and 
know, he's a top, what, six, seven quarterback in scoring right now, and they absolutely need him to be because the running game is getting next to nothing done. They're definitely not scoring any touchdowns in the rushing game, so that's great things for Matthew Stafford's fantasy prospects because they've got to throw in the red zone, got to get these quick screens to take, got to throw jump balls to Galladay and Marvin Jones. But this is another tough matchup. Who, like, who do you think Xavier Rhodes is going to cover? Because if you think it's Galladay on some snaps, then you really got to discount him. And what we see from Galladay over the last two weeks is nothing to you know, have any conviction in starting him. No, he had that splash game, and he had that splash performance in preseason. Remember? It was the same thing. So... You, you sit there and you gotta go. You know, it's a, it's is a rookie season. It's gonna take some time, and you know sometimes you might get a few lumps in there. So just gonna have to beware. Yeah, I I, I don't def- think I don't think Rhodes is on. I, I think Rhodes is definitely probably much more gonna be on Marvin or. I don't see him being on on. Uh, on the the thing is, holiday. yeah, they're not gonna waste him on him. I don't think. I don't. I, who. Who scares you the most, though? Even if it's just the flash plays that we've seen from Galladay, they're the most scary thing about that offense because you're not going to play him on the slot on Tate. It's not what he does well. He covers big, wide receivers and just shuts them down. I mean, just looking at what he's done so far against guys like Antonio Brown, uh, Mike Evans, and um, who did they play week one? Damn it. Another good one. Uh, Michael Thomas... Uh, he the highest watermark he's allowed is five receptions for fifty three yards last week against Mike Evans. Uh, zero, not, zero TDs. You're not scared mm. of you know Tate in the slot, even though you should be. But the way they play slot coverage, it's they sort of play that underneath route, and then they let Harrison Smith, the safety, jump on it over the top. Um, so that sort of provides a bracket for Tate if he tries to go vertical down the field. But overall, like Tate's a strong start. I don't think Jones is a start because he could see half the time on his Kind of like what happened in week one. And Galladay, yeah. yeah. I'm it's trying to go vertical down my throat, and no one's going to get in the way of this, not even Xavier Rhodes. Nobody! I got one tiny little comment. What? 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 I would lose the motherfucker at the end. Because you already said fuck once, you don't need two fucks. You already got the one fuck. I would change the motherfucker to bitch. Because the bitch... Bitch. Yes, because bitch is, is a word that you would use to somebody who, who you don't who you disrespect. <laughs> uh, the last guy here is Eric Ebron, who's been really up and down, but this should be another semi-decent matchup for him. You know, Kobe Fleener got it done in week one. We saw Cameron Braid score that touchdown last week. Uh, if Eric Ebron could be that guy in the red zone, then you're really looking. Um, but the running back situation, like Amir Abdullah, is like a flex play because he doesn't. He's got four red zone touches, and they have gone for zero yards. They obviously don't love him in that role when they get in there, and they like to go with either Zach Zenner, Dwayne Washington, whoever they've got active that week, or Theo Riddick, and just go fucking pass happy. But that's the other thing too. Theo Riddick now, who used to be used sparingly as a runner is now slowly being phased out as a runner and just being used as a receiver mostly. Yeah. He had no carries last week. Huh. All right, let's move over to, uh, unless you got anything else to say, then let's move over to the Vikings. 
Sam Bradford is the biggest question mark, but I think the rest of the offense showed that they can make plays without him. Um, Stephon Diggs was amazing. He's the number one wide receiver in fantasy football. Uh, you know, maybe Case Keenum limits his upside a little bit on a weekly basis, but I still think you got to start him if you own him. He's one of those guys that could have huge blow-up weeks, and he hasn't really even started to get it going in the run-after-catch game. So as soon as he can start getting that going and he has that ability, he's going to be, you know, great. So Diggs is killing it right now. Adam Thielen is killing it. Uh, you know, Kyle Rudolph's been up and down, more down now that Case Keenum's the starter because he really seems to just lock on to those receivers and play fuck it, chuck it. But Dalvin Cook looks locked, locked in as a top 15 or so running back. And all these running backs have been you know, very, very good, except for Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Which makes you so happy. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's true. Diggs, I actually... Um, God, the guy's freaking good. Glad I, I, I heard from our friend Maltz that you left a lot of points on the bench. I did. I was going to I was gonna go into that. He told, he told me that he talked to him. And I thought he was... Bullshit. No. But, <laughs> I started. I started him in one league, and I did bench him in another one. I still won. <laughs> Thank the maker, but I'm at the Bears game. Like the last thing I did before I went down to the the, the game the game with my nephews, I changed. I swapped him out for Isaiah Crowell. It'll never happen again. Diggs in the lineup for the rest of the rest of the year. But I got lucky as a as a mofo, and. Um, yeah, I still I pulled out the victory because I was going at the end and we'll move on. I was going against I was up by something like twenty. Mm-hmm. Derek Carr and Amari Cooper, he, the Ooh. guy I was playing against, six point five. I was I won by fifteen. Wow. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, the thing that also surprises me, like so, let's say Sam Bradford doesn't play. I mean, Keenan did a good job, you know, running this offense, and what you're seeing out of this offense is just. It's very workmanlike. It's very precise. You, you know, Keenum was 25 of 33. What was Bradford in week one was a ridiculous completion percentage. They're just running a real tight offense that, you know, everything's working. Cook's giving you both the running and the receiving out of the backfield, which is giving you the nice balance. You got Thielen, who's able to stretch the field. Diggs, who's able to do everything he's doing underneath. And so if you're looking to stream the quarterback, if Bradford's not playing, stream Keenum and go with it. Cool. Just, just run with this thing. There's so many other good matchups, though, that Keenum, like, I'd rather play Cutler. I'd rather play... Well, but it depends yeah. if you're in a 12 or, like, a 14-team yeah. league where everyone's got two, some other quarterbacks. And sometimes this is the only trash that's left out there on the waiver wire, but this one could be gold for a week. Cool. Let's go to the Bills at the Falcons. Um, this is a, an early game. Um... What do you guys got? What do you guys got in mind here? I mean, the Bills have been sort of surprisingly competent, and it hasn't been anything to do with Lashawn McCoy really. As the, over the last two games, he's totaled thirty yards, and in the in the rushing game, he had not done that since his rookie season. Like, so I expect a big bounce back game in terms of rushing performance from LaShawn McCoy because he averages over 111 yards coming off games with, you know, under 30 rushing yards after, you know, factoring out his rookie year. So I, I, I think LaShawn McCoy can get it back going um, against this Falcons team who, you know, they have speed players. 
but up the middle, they're more pass rush focused than most teams. So I'm not too worried about any of these other guys. Um, you know, the rest of the team, who do you, who are you looking to start? Zay Jones has had awful, awful, atrocious. He didn't have a catch this I don't, He's I got just, a higher drop rate than Amari Cooper. I don't like starting any of these guys. Charles Clay is the only guy that I agree Charles Clay and LaShawn McCoy. Right. Because when you're looking at the other wide receivers with Tyrod Taylor and what they're doing, they're they're staying in games and they're doing well as, as an NFL team, but as a fantasy team, when you're when you're throwing the ball for 200 yards in a game, that's not enough cheese to go around for for for, the, for you to be able to feed all the mice. So you know, Clay at least gets to play in the red zone and he's getting touchdowns, and that's what it's all about. So. Um, if I'm looking at it, especially again from the tight end position, he's a guy who's still out there on a lot of waiver wires too. You're looking to stream someone to be able to play. They don't have anyone else that's established yet, and um, and so outside of McCoy and him, I don't know. Not, and not, you're not worried playing. about McCoy, in all honesty, I'm telling you, better be right. About him. Right, you know, teams are gonna. Why, why wouldn't teams load up and do everything they can to make it be like this? This season becomes like a Todd Gurley last season uh, yeah. for this time of the year. Great point. At least he's got that offensive line that is one of the best yeah. road grading uh, run blockers in the league. So he's got that advantageous for True. him. And you know, Tyrod Taylor's been a lot more competent than Jared Goff ever was last year. Case Keenum was last year. So he and his rushing ability also provides a little bit more room for LaShawn McCoy. So I'm not I've got some concerns. I don't think McCoy's a lock top five running back that we maybe thought he was before the season. But is he an RB one? Absolutely. Yeah. Well let's talk about the the reason why they have been in our you got something to say? No, let's talk about the reason they haven't been. The Buffalo Bills defense is pretty much awesome and looking, uh, getting it done. Fewest points allowed of any defense. Uh, uh, They're number two as as a red zone defense. They have no passing TDs against them uh, over the whole season. They have two total TDs in three games against them. what gives when you're going up against the Atlanta Falcons? I think a lot. Gives, I think a lot <laughs> gives. Change. I think a lot gives this week. Let's it, tell, it, tell me who the Bills have played so far this season. Um, I got a quickly. It's probably the Denver Broncos. Broncos the, they beat the Jets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they played the Jets. And was the third. Was it Jacksonville or was it? And was it Jacksonville? Good question. So here's my point. And Buffalo's done this in the past. They're, they've been a good defense, fantasy defense, right? When you look, you look at the end of the year, the a lot Jets, of times, Carolina, Carolina, and Denver. Okay. and Denver. So this is not a lot of talent that they face, but the other problem is this. It's one thing when you're playing in Buffalo. It's another thing when you're going into the, into the bird's nest uh, and, and you're going to be playing them on their fast turf. Megatron's butthole? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Maybe, yeah. Shrink their clothes up. I haven't seen it close yet. So. Um, I just think that this is one of those games because you think about it. The, the, the Bills, as I was saying, they've had great defense in years past. And then what happens? They go to Foxborough and they look like a, like a, like a pathetic little um, you know, uh, a midget league or something like that going yeah. up against the pros. It's, it's, it's just get out man. D3 against D1. This is the amount of weapons that the Falcons are going to bring to the table in this one. I think it's, this becomes overwhelming. I think it becomes... You know, I think there's still going to be a good defense. I don't look at this as being like one of those, oh, Matt Ryan's going to throw for 400 yards type of a game, but I could easily see it being a 280 to 300-yard passing game with some competent play from the from the running backs. It's it's going to be more of a slug-it-out game for them, but 
I cannot see Buffalo giving enough offense that those extra possessions are going to turn into points eventually for Atlanta. I mean, the Matt Ryan regression has happened. He's not throwing touchdowns like he did last season. Uh, the yards are down. And you look at his overall fantasy scoring, and he's been a quarterback one, uh, just one out of three weeks. You know, he has his scores have been in the mid. He's been the most consistent uh, fantasy quarterback over the first three weeks, but consistently like QB 15, QB 13, you know, QB 19 last week. He just hasn't been, you know, putting up those rock solid stats. Granted, he has played two out of his three games on the road, and the third game was uh, the game was a home against Green Bay. And the Green Bay game was was that his most successful? Uh. I have, to, I have to look at him up. Hang on. Keep talking. Yeah, I mean, Matt Ryan, you know, there are some concerns. you got to, you know, start thinking about benching him certain weeks. I don't think this is the week to do it. I just think they have way too much firepower. But that running game is so effective that maybe he only needs to throw for one touchdown, maybe two touchdowns in a week. And that's all he's been doing. So. I, exactly. And that's limiting his overall upside. When last year he was having those four touchdown games or 403 touchdown games, and those just aren't there. But also they haven't really gotten Julio involved in the red zone like they said they intended to. He's got, what, two red zone targets through the first three weeks? That's something that has to change. I, I like for Julio to just stomp on the Bills corners. If he doesn't get it done this week, I don't know what's wrong in terms of just raw fantasy points. Well, the other thing is that this, they don't care if they run their team, they don't care about fantasy points. They're 3-0, and coming after what would most people usually call the Super Bowl hangover for the team that didn't that didn't win it, that it, a lot of times not even making the playoffs the next year. They seem focused and they seem dedicated to the task at hand. Not about panning stats or doing this, that, and the other thing. Just about winning football games. Also, that defense looks pretty strong. Yeah, a lot uh, better than they did before. So that that's, you know, if you play more of that, if, if you pull them back to say, hey, you're now Russell Wilson without the rushing stats, like, that's not great for fantasy. Well, the big Beasley thing, we'll see how that all ends up playing out. What about also the Wildcat package that they're, they're kind of uh, installing? I, I heard uh, they're calling that uh, with Sanu the 12-gauge the instead, instead of the Wildcat. I like that. It's a dope... That's a dope name. I'm, I'm down with that program. Um, Snoo's a former quarterback yeah. himself, so that Rutgers. Where did he go? Yeah, I think he went to Rutgers, but I don't think he played quarterback there for the majority of his career. Um, so looking back, you know, has been you know a quietly good piece this season. So I sort of like Sanu in PPR leagues as a you know flex play in desperate times. Uh, Hooper just hasn't been seeing the targets on a consistent basis, especially after that week one. Uh, I don't think the Bills is ne- necessarily a go-off no. spot. I look for this offense to, again, be funneled through the running backs and Julio Jones. I hope so. Um, cool thing, they're, they're wearing, they're doing, I guess it's old-school uh, weekend where all the teams Retro. are playing, uh, playing in old-school jerseys. My favorite jersey of all time, the Deion Sanders-era black uh, jersey for the Atlanta Falcons. So they, plain, really? That's the favorite? Oh, that's my favorite, dude. <laughs> so good. They'll be, they'll be rocking those. Well, you know what? You want the Bumblebee from uh, Pittsburgh? No. I, I pre- love that one. I you pre- know I love that one. For I prefer the characters. black and red-era Falcons of Mike Vick with the uh, 
sort of side stripes uh, that were different color, like three different I like colors. I like the old, that. I like the yeah, early, early Gerald Riggs. Red, red, bright red, red, red Riggs. Yeah. It's dope. With, yeah. the, with the red helmet, just the bright red what? helmet with the yeah. What the fucking Falcon. era are we talking about now? Uh, I'm talking 1984, Your mom was still a virgin when we were Let's, uh, Devonta Freeman is behind, uh, last thing I'll say about this, he's obviously doing well, he's behind, uh, Kareem Hunt in pro football focuses, um, he, with, uh, as the best running back so far through the season, uh, with a report, with a grade of, uh, 87.9, so Devonta getting it done, um, I don't know. I think Tevin's been doing well for us in the blog talk radio league that we're doing. We lost this week. Um, should we move on? Anything yeah. else you got on this squad? On to the next one. On to the next one. I just on. have a on to the next one. Birdie. I haven't seen a handicapped person in the bathroom, maybe ever. God, do you know how archaic that word's handicapped person? It's like demeaning. Don't you know? It's called disabled. 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 Boy, that doesn't sound so hot. <laughs> Terrible. Um, well, before what are we, we go, playing here. You don't know this? Cur- curb Your Enthusiasm? Yeah. I never watched it. Oh, you would love it. Nah. Hey, Are you Jewish? You want to check my penis? <laughs> this show might be a little too Jewish for you, Stavish, but it is friggin' hilarious. Stavish uh, or Stavish? Sorry. It's all good. Stavish. I got it. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> I hang out with Savage too much. Um, all right, before we go on to this next game, which is going to be the Steelers at the Ravens, do us a favor and t- take a listen to this word from our sponsor. Sweet. Thank you very much, Steelers at the Ravens. We'll start with the Steelers. Le'Veon Bell. Are people worried about this guy? Well, here's my thing, and I, and, uh, I, I really thought that he was going to have a big week against the Bears uh, last week completely didn't happen. Um, this becomes a tough game against the Ravens, a tough defense, a tough interdivisional uh, matchup. Part of the problem for Le'Veon Bell is he didn't play in the entire preseason. He sat out the entire preseason. He, he didn't go through any of the training camp. So it takes you three, four weeks before you finally get your legs underneath you and you actually start looking like real football. So you got to think that by now, after this going into this game, he should have his full legs underneath him, and we should see a better result. Uh, but at the same time, division matchups don't necessarily bring the best fantasy production. Uh, yeah, I, I strongly agree. Right now, the Baltimore Ravens have not allowed a single running back over 53 yards to himself. They have played lots of different committees. Um and they're, they've been stingy against running backs before. Uh, last year they had a game where they held Le'Veon Bell to just uh, 14 uh, rushes for 32 yards, but they did allow six catches for 38 yards. But then in the Week 16 matchup where they were a little bit more beat up, they allowed him to run for 122 yards, one touchdown, uh, and then three catches for 15 yards and another touchdown. So I'm really not going to fade Le'Veon Bell. Like, if you're an owner, you're just playing Le'Veon Bell. Uh, the only question is, like, in DFS, do you go out and you target the guy? Or do you target I think, you know, Antonio I, 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 Brown on the same team? I think you don't target him. I mean, look, against the, the Ravens in his career, he's averaged combined about 100 yards. But he's only scored three touchdowns. 
and that's in 10 games. So if you've only scored three touchdowns in 10 games historically against this team and the way things have been looking so far this year, no. I, I would say for the way that he'll be priced in DFS, this is a guy that you should fade out at this point in time. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, for this matchup. For this matchup, but if you're still starting him in your oh, regular yeah. leagues, Antonio. I love him at fantasy. He's definitely in my starting lineup. He's yeah. not coming out. Antonio's <laughs> locked into your lineups. Like It's not worth us talking about. Martavis Bryant. Uh, he's got that boomer bust, but we saw the targets there last week. He had eight of them, despite hauling in just two. We talked about how close he was on a number of other ones. Uh, the real aspect here is Juju Smith-Schuster moving up ahead of Eli Rogers, playing ahead of him in the slot, and taking away some of those targets uh, from ancillary players like Jesse James. So JJ, uh, Juju got very involved. He, he looked like to be a dynamic weapon. And, you know, after trading coats and sort of, you know, benching Eli Rogers to more of just a special teams player, Juju looks like there could be a little something, maybe be that more consistent type of 5-for-50 threat they've as been, the wide receiver three. They've been dying for a guy like that. They've been looking for a third person to put in there for so long. So Juju Smith, you got they got a lot of the JJs on this team, right? Jesse James, JJ, uh, Juju, Suster Smith, so JJSS. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Check. Is, is, is Juju Jewish? Check this. Check. Uh, no, it's, it's J -J -J He's more like a Jew. He might be related to a Juju B more than he is related to a Jew. Fuck you, Jobu. I mean, and looking at Ben Roethlisberger, it's probably another <coughs> spot where you just hey, he's bad on the road. You know, this is a tough Ravens team. Maybe they're a little bit slowed down coming back from London and not taking a. Uh, a bye week though so maybe you can catch him in a spot where he's low owned but other than that I'm not really out here looking to start him but I think he provides a nice 12 to 14 point floor cool um, I thought you were going to say and without taking the field wait what oh Jesus I'm not going to start that um Let's go to the Ravens. <laughs> Let's go to the Ravens. And I liked uh, your uh, tweet uh, earlier today or yesterday, Stags, just on those wide receivers. Let's start there. The fact that Macklin, uh, just a, the futility going on with the wide receivers for the Ravens. And um, just the numbers are so friggin' low on, on targets, catches, and opportunities. And the way that when you look at that number, even as low as it is, Macklin's basically getting more than half the share. I mean, in total, Baltimore Ravens receivers have 13 receptions. The <laughs> next closest team has 17. The next closest team after that has 26. So you're looking at a team that is futile throwing to their wide receivers. Jeremy Macklin has over half of the receiving yards for their wide receivers. He has both of their touchdowns. He is the only guy in consideration. Mike Wallace has not showed up to play a fucking game this year, apparently. Um, and, and it's just rough. Joe Flacco looks beat up. And, you know, is he going to be able to play, especially with that offensive line getting more and more beat up? Uh, the run game is basically dump offs to Buck Allen. But Alex Collins looked like the best pure runner last week. In fact, his yards per carry was double the combined uh, for the other guys in that game. So Terrence West has had fumbling issues. Buck Allen sort of more of just the change of pace back and receiving back. Um, 
Ben Watson's probably the strongest start on this team. Ugh. And that it's just bad. Like, I don't want to start anybody against Pittsburgh. And their defense is tough in their own right, and they're holding teams down. And they're also pressuring the shit out of opposing quarterbacks. And without Marshall Yanda at guard, things could be scary. Yanda. Yanda. I don't fucking care. Iowa. Yanda. Uh, so let me let me ask let me ask you guys a question. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw this stat line out there, and you tell me this is a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end. Eight for twenty eight and six for thirty six. <clears throat> running back. That's gotta be running back, right? No, it's actually a quarterback. That's the completions of the yards that Flacco and Ryan Mallett each had last week. Eight completions for 28 yards for Flacco on 18 attempts with two interceptions. And Mallett had six of nine for 36 yards and a touchdown to Ben Watson. This is sad for this team. Yeah, I'm not, like, (laughs) until I see more from the Ravens, you cannot start them. Could their offensive coordinator get fired midway through the season for playing like shit again this year? Yeah, doesn't that happen every year on this team? Sort of. When does Harbaugh take the fall? <laughs> Never. Uh, yeah, Steelers. Hopefully this year so you can replace John Fox. Yeah. Oh, that'd be nice. That. <laughs> yeah, but that's John Harbaugh, not Jim Hey, Harbaugh. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a Harbaugh. <laughs> I, don't care if the dad, I don't care if the dad is coaching the Bears next year. I'll take it. As long as it's a Harbaugh. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the Steelers defense looking pretty stout uh, in every facet of the game. Sacks, they're right up at the top. Um, Tackles, rushing yards, passing yards, scoring. You sounded so shit. Did I? Tackles. Tackles. They got tackles. They Can got I get scoring yards. Hot, hot they, and sweet. They hot got sweet. this. They got that. They got they got a little bit of everything there. Run that hot dog through the gardener. Wait, hold on. I want a Chicago style. No, you don't. I don't want you to bleed on it for me, guy. <laughs> Should we stay in the division? Go to the next game. Absolutely. Let's the Battle of Ohio. Bengals at the Browns. Uh, all I'll say yes, is this is exciting. I, yeah, I, I, all I'll say is Mixon looks like the, the Lazar coming in um, and being the coach is going to uh, mean good things for the rookie running back Mixon. Um, he led led them in opportunities and carries and did the most with them, and it, it just looks like. He's going to use his rookie. And they're designing plays for him. So, you know, especially in the passing game, that's an important aspect when you're looking at Joe Mixon. Uh, Jeremy Hill, you know, maybe he's going to get five to seven carries a game. Maybe he gets that red zone work whenever they get there. But Mixon looks like the guy who's going to get 50 to 60% of the snaps and carry, you know, 50 to 60% of the load. So he now enters that RB2 conversation, especially against a team like the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and real quick, another thing that the reason why this starts to happen is look look at the situation, right? They were kind of not giving him full reins until week three. Well, what happened in the first two weeks of the season for Cincinnati? Nothing. Losses. Nothing. And what happened in this last game? Lost. So now you got to start looking and building up your young guys and finding out exactly what you have. They're giving them the chance. The guys who they had there, the veterans, as you said, did nothing. Jeremy Hill is not giving any more explosion than he than, than he ever had, and he's giving less than he ever had. Giovanni Bernard is that one extra piece, but he's not a guy that you can rely on to be your starting running back. So it's mixing, and the only other thing that, that it's good for is it's good for A.J. Green. 
get Nixon going, get someone more dynamic, make them have to commit the extra player and pull that coverage off of A.J. Green. And we at least finally saw A.J. Green come out and represent himself last week. Yeah, I love A.J. Green in this game. Like, uh, going up against the Cleveland corners, I don't see anything, you know, in in A.J. Green's way, especially with their other players sort of being banged up or the coaching staff being down on a guy like John Ross because of an early fumble. Uh, Tyler Eifert looks like he's going to be out for the next four to six weeks with his back injury. Uh, you know the the rest of their tight what end frustration that guy's been. Yeah, and the dynasty owner who's had him ever since. You know he had that breakout, and then everything else has just been broken. Yep, including his body. That's um, well, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's it's frustrating. They are not. They, they and they they're obviously and they got nothing to take his place. They're the worst. They're the worst tight end situation in the league when he's not there. Yep. Uh, go Staggy. I mean. AJ Green looks locked in. The rest of the players, they're all rotating in and out between LaFell and Boyd and John Ross occasionally uh, and Erickson. These guys are all just rotating. That's such a fantasy quagmire behind sort of AJ Green. And now it looks to be Joe Mixon. So you got him as an RB2. You've got AJ Green back to, locked in as a uh, wide receiver one. Andy Dalton's an interesting stream this week against the Browns, though. We saw what Jacoby Brissett was able to do last week. Uh, So far in the season, they're allowing the six most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Uh, Joe Flacco had a decent game. Ben Roethlisberger had a decent game despite being on the road. Um, They're just giving up points across the board. So, you know, Dalton's back in for streamer this week. The one thing I also think I'll tell you about Dalton this is one of those ones to pay attention and to go, look, teams are going to be disappointed that they drafted him, right? And so he's going to start getting dropped in a lot of leagues. If you're a savvy owner, you pick him up, especially if they are this losing team because at that point in time, once they get to the second half of the season where it's all over, they're just going to be loose, take chances in games, and, and play that spoiler. And this is a team that has... The good veterans, then you're going to have Joe Mixon, who's going to be more uh, comfortable at that point in time, and the offense should be flowing together better at that point in time. And so the better fantasy news for this team is probably going to be about four weeks from now down the road to the rest of the end of the season. So if someone is in your league and you're in those leagues, a 12-team league, and you need quarterbacks and someone's going to drop them, pick them up because you know what? He's available a lot. And you're going to get a potential nice run out of him Later on down the road. Yeah, he's available in a lot of leagues. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, let's go over to the uh, Cleveland side of the ball. Uh, let's uh, crow out. Thirty-nine. How many? How many opportunities? He had? Thirty-nine carries, one hundred and fourteen yards, zero touchdowns, and he's got um, against the Colts. Yeah, four catches for that was 43 season, yards. But yes. So this guy's oh. got. This guy, <laughs> that would have been good against, uh, against the Colts. He's just not getting her done. So he's benched for. I mean, he's pretty much a bencher, in my opinion. He's like a flex shows, play. Until like, he shows something. Who like, do you look at on this team and say, I, I want to start one of these players? Like Deshaun Kaiser, just because he can run and he he throws some of the. Like his average depth of throw is among the tops in the league. Uh, it doesn't really matter who's out there. I've been starting Kenny Britt uh, last week. That paid off. 
So I, I think Britt's like a wide receiver for flex play. I'm just talking, I'm talking about. Just I'm, talk, talk, yeah. I'm talking about. I'm playing him in a in a league with three wide receivers and two more flex spots. So I'm not playing him in like a regular league. Um, no, Kenny Britt is not a, a starter in a ten team league. No. He's barely a starter in a normal twelve team league. Yeah. He maybe is a starter in a fourteen team league. Exactly. Uh, but the tight ends have sort of been a surprise. The, but the question is, it's sort of like peekaboo. You got to pick one each week. Which one's the one that's going to pop up? Uh, what's that? Whack a mole. Whack a mole. Peekaboo, whack a mole. Same thing. Uh, it's it's whack a mole. It's fancy like whack a mole because one of them is going to go off in a given week, score the touchdown because that's where he he first looks in the red zone. It is to those tight ends. But is it Seth the Valve or is it David Njoku? But I, I, overall, I'm liking what I've seen out of Njoku. He, he looks like he's got some room to grow, but his, his ability after the catch is going to be special. So, you know, him and Kaiser are great. And Kaiser's got that sort of running floor that gives you ability. And that, it should be good against a team like Cincinnati. Now, the other thing to keep in mind, though, Cincinnati does, I believe they get Vontez Burfecht back. Uh, this week, so which will make a big impact in the middle of their defense, right? Was it a four game or three game? I, I thought, thought they. I thought it was like a five game. No, it got reduced though. I I, I thought it was. No, a, I think he's back. I think he's back. I think it was okay. a four reduced down to three. So um, I've, that had, makes I've had four game. beers um, upgraded to five. Valverde's. I have a tendency to not black people. Party. What were you doing? I, I, I don't know. I just find that I nod to them. More so than white. I have a nod to white people. I've never heard of uh, white liberal nodding guilt. Yeah, it's a way of kind of making contact. Yeah. You know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not one of the, the bad ones. I do that a little bit, too. Hey, Larry. So it was a five-game suspension. It was reduced to three, so we should be back in the lineup for you this week. Uh, perfect. Um, and, yeah, that gives you a little bit more pause. Uh, if he's out there in IDP, uh, on, on, uh, out there on waivers, pick him up. This dude's a, When he plays, he's a badass mother effort. Yeah, he is. He, he has a hard time keeping the game uh, fair. So he keeps getting spiked. Well, I guess, yeah, but they did actually sign him to like another multi-year oh, extension, even with, with his, his He's a stud. Um, quickly, I'm going to do a quick pyro promo. We're having a pyro party, the Chicago Fantasy Football Tweet Up. Uh, we're doing it kind of just in happenstance in honor of the 146th anniversary of the Chicago Fire. Hence, pyromaniac.com. You get it? Huh, huh, huh. The party is on Friday, October 6th. We're doing it at the Hidden Shamrock. It's 2723 North Halstead in Chicago. That is Chicago and Diversity. Just a little bit south of Diversity. But Friday, October 6th. Uh, from about 6 to 11, real good times. We've done it before, um, and there's some uh, big people in the industry. Waz going to be there. Uh, I think Evan Silva is going to be there. Who are some of the other guys? One, one person that I'm happy to announce I think is coming is Pyromaniac Mo. Wow. Mo is coming into town. I think he's going to – he's like – as long as I can surf your couch, I'll come in for it. So, so if you're looking for Pyromaniac Mo, just look for the tie-dye and say hello. Uh, the tie-dye and, and, and the, the hippie-ish looking guy. But yeah, uh, so I'm psyched that Pyromo is going to come into town, but we'll all be there, be drinking our faces off. Should be some good times. Waz will be there and some other uh, industry um, 
folks from Chicago, but we want to just, uh, we're going to start promoting it a, a little bit harder here uh, as it is going to be a week from this Friday, but come check this thing out, fantasy football, your uh, pyros, you can have, rub elbows, drink some beers, buy a shots, smoke some green in the wait, wait, what? Where yeah, what? Um, yeah, let's do it. So if you're in the Midwest or you're in Chicago and you listen to this show, come to our pyro party over at the Hidden Shamrock, October 6th, Friday, 6 o'clock. Do it. Yeah. Uh, next game, what do we got? You go for it. I'm pouring a beer. <laughs> so the next game, we have the final of the uh, uh, after uh, early morning games or early games, which will be the Rams at the Cowboys. But before we get to that, why don't we keep the lights on here and listen to this. The highest scoring offense in football, the Los Angeles football Rams, Crazy. Are, are looking to get it and keep it going against the uh, fabled Dallas Cowboys franchise. 12 uh, TDs, 7 field goals, and a safety. And only 25,000 fans at home games. They're doing better than the Chargers. <laughs> yep. I mean, you heard the They're news. Not, this, none of them are doing good, though. I know. It's bad news. We'll talk about the, when the Chargers go, but... Chargers might be heading back to San Diego. This San Diego, we said this so many times. Why are you LA leaving? is not a football town. It's not a football town. Why do you think you're going to all of a sudden be able to host two teams? E-Jets. Go. <laughs> <laughs> so the Rams. We saw the breakout of Sammy Watkins after only seeing seven targets the first two weeks of the season, and we saw it in a big way. It, you know, his okay. coach came out this week, Sean McVay, and said he is an elite player at tracking the ball downfield and over his shoulder and being able to run underneath it. And Jared Goff showed capabilities to do that. We saw Carson Palmer throw all over the Dallas Cowboys early. Um, so I'm looking for Sammy Watkins to have another nice game here. I think Cooper Cup in the slot could have another nice one. Robert Woods is going to be that hit or miss. Can we say player. that that was kind of an anomaly, that that was most likely the best game that Robert Woods is going to have on the year? I mean, Robert Woods... Six for 108. Is, it, it, yeah, yeah. That's probably his best, but I wouldn't have a, He's going to have big... He already can have some big catch games. Yeah, he's going to have a 7 for 85 and a touchdown on another high-end game. He's a good game. player, dude. He's... Yeah. Right, but what I'm saying is understand that you're still... You're not getting the dynamic, but the dynamic guy here is Sammy Watkins. So the other guy that's potentially dynamic is Cooper Cup. The yes. guy that is your... Look, he's the... He's the reliable. He's that reliable he's possession alive. guy. He's that safety blanket. He becomes... Decent floor, give you at least your 40, 50 yards, hopefully, with the potential for 78. I swear to God, last Thursday, I was typed, I had the tweet typed, and I was like going back and checking it, had my laptop on my, on my, uh, uh, uh knee, on my... Johnson? Lap? Lap, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I should know lap. I've spent thousands of dollars on lap dances in my life. Shouldn't be that hard And you literally said it. Three words earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right, but I was literally typing this out. How Sammy Watkins was a total bust. Gonna, he was gonna have a rough time, and then he made like that sick, sick touchdown. I was like, so glad I didn't send that one. It was like literally like thirty seconds away from <laughs> sending it, and then he made a nice grab, and I was like, all right, delete. 
So Sammy, Sammy Watkins, the issue with him is, you know, right after this Dallas Cowboys game, their schedule gets a lot tougher, and he's going to start getting those elite cornerbacks that we talk about with the Des Bryant type of matchups. Um, Where Des gets easier after week five. Exactly. So his are, his are going to start being tougher. Um, and that's going to be a problem if Cooper Cup's going to start, uh, you know, be the underneath guy and Robert Woods is still going to get his. But can Sammy Watkins produce against these real elite corners when they play, you know, sort of shadow coverage on them? Because it's about to get tougher. And even this offensive line, once they start playing these tougher defenses and really start dialing up the blitz packages, what is Jared Goff going to look like? Um, and while I still think it'll be pretty good and it's not going to go back to last year's levels, uh, that same thing's probably going to happen to Todd Gurley. But Todd Gurley's been one of the best backs so far. <laughs> I was about to say, can I tell you, like, of course I've been bad-talking Gurley for, like, what, a while now? And, of course, I played against him last week and just lit my ass up. But do you believe in it? I mean, look, yes. I'll say this. I'll say I this. Do. Here's what I say. I'm more a believer in it now because of the step that golf has taken and what they did. Bringing Sammy Watkins in was a huge thing for Jared Goff. Give him a legitimate weapon. Give them something and a reason for defenses to have to, to not put everyone in the box to stop Todd Gurley and show that you're competent to be able to make the pass plays and, and, and to do that. And Goff, what, two out of three weeks has looked really good. Well, they improved that offensive line. They got McVay, who's a, 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 the youngest, youngest coach in, what, the history of the NFL or something. Uh, obviously, Currently in the league. Uh, obviously, I think it was history, though. Really? Yeah, I, don't, I, think, I think he's younger than John Madden was when they brought wow. him on. Um, he's 30 years old. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, how old was McDaniels when they hired him? I don't know. I don't know. But I think he's the okay. Yeah, I think he's the ever. But at the end of the day, golf is a huge piece. They've got the weapons. They brought in their whole wide receiver crew. It's brand new. Pharaoh, whatever Cooper, he's still there. But I, I trust. I trust. Yeah, I trust what 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 this guy's doing, and I trust the fact that we know that Gurley's a a stud. So, six TDs right yeah, now. Yeah, he just needs to not have a loaded box against him every single time. They improved that offensive line. Yeah. I think, and I think the thing I, is, I it. he's only facing loaded boxes right now on 8% of his carries, down from over 50% last right. year. That helps. But it also helps that he's involved in the pass game. Yes. He has yeah. 140 receiving yards on 13 carries already. That is the fourth most receiving yards by a wide receiver. And how many, how, how many of his touchdowns? Six touchdowns? Two? Two, or, yeah. Two uh, receiving touchdowns. He's got the most goal line carries in the league. Uh, he's got the second most red zone yeah, touches. Who's competing in the league. with him there for touches? Nobody, Zero. especially when Malcolm Brown is out. Right. Uh, and this is a position when you have that confidence and you're an elite athlete, your team's playing well, like we said, highest scoring team in the league. This is not your uh, Fisher uh, led offense for the Rams. It's going to grow. It's going to keep on marinating and getting better and better for everyone. Because now everyone's bought in. Everyone's feeling energized about it. It gets better and better from this point. Yeah. You're going to have your lumps. You're going to have your weeks where it's just like you get outgamed and you lose. That's football. But this team now goes into meetings, takes a day off after victories, 
on Monday and goes into the building feeling like, holy shit, we can we can do this at this level. We just been non-existent. And then they're for like this franchise. And then, and then for they five come years. in. And then they come in. They're like, and we're still only filling two thirds of our stadiums. <laughs> it's a big stadium. <laughs> I agree, but it looks so empty when you when you see it there. It's like you're LA though. How many millions of people live there? Now maybe they're all stuck in traffic. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. Go check out. Do a search for a picture. Rolling Stones. Um, tattoo you tour at the, at the LA Coliseum. And then See what it looks like to, to have the Coliseum filled. Because everyone's actually on the field, too. I mean, that was literally like 100,000 people at that show. Oh, Mick Jagger wearing knee pads and wearing football uh, uh, trunks and whatnot. And then look at what's going on there at their home games. And it's um, tattoo you. Kind of, you know what? The, what the, their home game, the stadium looks like Mick Jagger. In, <laughs> now. in pads and uniform. It does. 111 pounds not filling it out. <laughs> would you sell... I like it. Would you sell Todd Gurley for Le'Veon Bell? No. Uh, you know what? I wouldn't. This is one of those things where it's like you, 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 you look You've at that... Already right You're getting the, the production right Todd now. Gurley this season. Maybe. I wouldn't do it. You know what? I probably would. Here's why. Here's why I wouldn't. Still love you on Bell, dude. I know. Here's why I wouldn't. I think injury favors Gurley. I think, and the only there's just a lot more weaponry on the Steelers. Where I think, I would. I would right now. I would keep Gurley. I know that's crazy. I, no, but it's okay. Do you think this Gurley is also one of those? This is also. Hang on, real quick. This is one of those real interesting things where, where weird trades get made and people are like. Oh, you're so wrong on that one. Then it's like, well, no, it actually ended up being the right thing to, to, to keep Gurley. Um, so I will. Football is not a baseball. It is not go to the back of the baseball card and the stats are going to come. There's only 16 games, so weird shit happens and it's yearly. Yeah, but it's also a weekly game. Yeah, you know you've seen the best of Todd Gurley with his sort of start to the season. You're probably never going to see a six touchdown in a three-game stretch. Right, those um, points are going to carry him through the rest of the year. Yeah, as far he's, he's going to end as a top ten running back because of these, you know, first three-week stretch. But if you could get the best Le'Veon Bell, and okay, scoring system on that over here because Le'Veon's still a little bit better of a receiver than Todd mm-hmm. Gurley. Uh, it's just an interesting thing to think of. I like it. No, I love it. Here's the one thing, and uh, your boy uh, Sharp Football. Um, Guy, I was listening to his podcast the other day, and he was talking about Le'Veon Bell, what's wrong. And the reason why he was awesome last year is because they were getting him on the outsides. They were getting the ball to him. In so space. That he, it, well, no, on the on running on rushes. Oh. They were putting him around the edges. He can do it, but now this so far this season, everything that he's doing around the running game, or most of what he's doing, is through the tackles. And we saw it firsthand. We, we watched these games. He's got that really um, patient Patience running style. style. The league kind of knows this at this point, and they're kind of combating that a there little was bit. Actually, I read a great article before the game. It was the the Bears, one of the guys at the Bears talking about it, where he's like, the way that he is such a patient runner, what you just got to do is telling guys, stay in your gaps. Just don't, don't get cute and creative. Just stay there because... He's waiting and waiting and waiting. You need to be waiting and stay in your gap. And that's what the Bears did. And so every time he waited, there was just nowhere really to go. I think I think teams are kind of figuring out how to defend the 
up the middle a little bit when he gets out on the side and through the receiving game. He needs to get a little more uh, Kamara. Uh, um, uh, Alvin Kamara? Alvin, no, no. Uh, the hell? Uh, the Kansas City. Oh, Kareem, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. He needs a little more Kareem Hunt. Just blast through the line and just leave him in the dust. I, I you know, that, that always works. If you Zig. get past that first line of defense, it's like there's no one left there. Maybe Zig while they're zagging. I agree with that. Uh, yeah, a fastball doesn't work if you don't you know, throw the change up once in a while, etc. No, I know, but he's, now he's, he's throwing the change up, up every single play. Yeah, yeah I got, okay, we're on the same page. Yeah. What do you want to do? Stags, you want to move on? Dallas? Let's go to Dallas. Dak Prescott is the only quarterback with three uh uh, straight top, top 12 weeks. weeks. He hasn't been, you know, the top end fantasy scorer, but he's always consistently that 7 to 12 range. Uh, I think we've seen teams sort of hone in to stop Ezekiel Elliott and dare Dak to beat him. And while it's taken a while for him to get off, he eventually gets comfortable in that game and does take off. So uh, I'm really liking Dak as a fantasy passer against the Rams. I think you can load up on. We just saw what Brian Hoyer was able to do in, in a catch-up game, and and we've seen the Rams be susceptible uh, through the air uh, in previous seasons. So that's something I'm expecting Dak to take uh, full effect on. I'm also expecting. Can I say one thing on Dak? He's got 19 starts in the NFL. He's uh, in 15 of those. He hasn't had a turnover. This guy's got the athletic ability. He's got the he's got the smarts. He's got the ability to to, to take what's given to him. He doesn't hurt you. He he's got a great arm. He can run. He is he, he's just a, he's just kind of a beast. And also, I think what's his career? Uh, let me look at it, his career completion percentage because that's also something that is just really unique about him. Okay, so his career completion percent sixty seven percent. And that's with 62.6% so far this year. He was 68% last year. I For remember. a rookie, 68%. We're talking like Drew Brees gets to the 70% mark. What, remember uh, Eli Manning said he was going to be a 70% uh, completion guy? What did he, he's a 62% career Well, he's over guy. 70 this year. But one thing I will, he's, he's actually second in the league right now with that. But one thing I loved watching before the game. A year late on his Yeah, yeah, true. Um, was uh, uh, Randy Moss called it. He's like, He's like, Dak's just gonna ha- gonna have to make a play or two where everyone's worried about everyone else but Dak, and he needs to get running. And that's what he did. He scored that running touchdown, and he does that a lot. Remember last year, he had six rushing touchdowns. I-, I just feel like he's gonna be able to. I'm not saying anything at six rushing touchdowns, but he's gonna be able to get rushing touchdowns more than any other quarterback in the league uh, because. There's other great things around him, especially Ezekiel. I agree with that, but the other thing that I look at him where it's concerning is that I know I'm never going to get the Tom Brady 440-yard passing with five touchdowns. Like, that's never going to happen. I'll be lucky to get a three-touchdown passing game, and I'm probably better off getting the two-touchdown passing, one-touchdown rushing with about... 280 yards. He's not, you're not going to see very bad, like 300 yard games. What do you? I'll, I'll peg him for maybe three on the on the season, and that's probably being generous. Probably two and a half. I put the over under. Before I bounce it back to you, Stags, the one thing though is where he's getting where he was getting drafted, and he's you're. you're he's not losing. He's, 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 he's the only hit. guy that's top 12. Yeah. He's a top 12 guy. He but his his ceiling's a little lower. What do you got, buddy? Ah, uh, I mean. Zeke's, you, you roll him out there until he's suspended, whether that's this year or next year. 
Uh, well, they said they'll we'll know October second uh, whether it's yeah, if it's, it's in the year. Fifth Circuit Court. You know, they're gonna rule on it later uh, in the meaning of October. But you're still starting them until right until he's suspended. Uh, Dez, I think, you know, showed John one play that he's one of the elite touchdown makers in the NFL, despite you know a lack of targets in that game. Um, that was one of the best plays he's had in his career, I thought. He's an elite touchdown maker. Like, it doesn't matter who the coverage is. This guy's going to find ways to score your points. And even though Tremaine Johnson's one of the guys, uh, you know, one of the better corners in the league, I'm not worried at all for Dez because he's either going to get a boatload of targets or he's going to get the premium targets in, in the red zone. Um, Jason Witten had his sort of underperforming game in the last one. Uh, I'm not really worried about him. He's sort of one of those tight ends that you can just start every week and, and know you're going to get something from. Uh, I mean, the rest of the – like, they need to play like Bryce Butler more. Like, Bryce Butler needs to be that wide receiver, too, over Terrence Williams. I agree. I, like, he makes splash plays. He makes the vertical plays. Terrence, like, only runs vertical crossers. And what, about, what about the tweet you retweeted from uh, Cole Beasley today? Well, don't don't go to your fan, people on your fantasy team and tell them they fucking suck. Why did you only catch one pass for four yards? It's bad fucking form. <laughs> like, <laughs> I agree. Long and short, a fan said, "You suck, Cole Beasley." And, uh, I, thanks for I, the four yards. Yeah, I'm thanks. dropping you immediately. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. Like, I can't I can't catch what up is not thrown my way. Yeah. He, fuck you. Yeah, he's like, fuck you. I can't, I can't do anything if they don't give me the fucking ball. Uh, uh, but Cole Beasley, I mean, he sort of is what he is. He's a 4 for 42 or a 5 for 50. But his numbers are way down this year. Yeah, because they, Dak doesn't yeah. need to rely on him. Dez is healthy. Dez, they're, 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 they're making a, 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 an obvious... Terrence Williams is also healthy who yeah. he wasn't last year. Bryce Butler is a more dynamic player. Like, you look for Cole Beasley in, in sort of limited... Third down and quick. Look, look, this is not the New England Patriots offense where it's a Julian Edelman type guy that they use as that role. That's not how they use him there in in Dallas. They never have. So it's predicated on the outside receivers and taking the shots downfield, and then they sprinkle that in. Because you want to know who that guy is for them and has been for the last 14 years? Jason Witten. Yeah, and he continues to just make make those plays he has to make, play 100% of snaps. Like, Jason Witten, although he might not put up numbers for you every single week, you know he's at least going to get you a couple. And he's got some touchdown upside right now from Dak. So I'm not worried about Witten. But so, that's all I so, really got for that And game. they should be – and I think, look, this is the home game to get the Rams on the road. The Rams have had their success when they've been at home. I think this is going to be one of those games where Dallas kind of rolls in this one. Yep. Let's move on to the next one. We've got the – First of the afternoon games, and there are four, so it's a medium between the three and five that you like to uh, get after it about. Well, at least uh, four. I mean, at least you can fill a goddamn quad box. <laughs> I can't fill a quad box with three. <laughs> and goddamn it, I swear to God, since I no longer have direct TV, the Xfinity Red Zone, horrible. No, Steer your own voice. Can you yeah. learn to flip through more than one game? And could you show four games at once at one time? 
No. At one time during the early game, show four games on the screen. Hanson has no idea what he's doing. He's he's he like he's blind. he's fine, but their production staff. Their production. Why is their production staff Hansen. so much? No, but you can only one. rip on him for driving his Porsche through USC campus trying to pick up coeds. Yeah, well, I can't. I'm not ripping on him for that. <laughs> I mean, I he's a Porsche, genius. There. There. Hey, you ever watch Red Zone, ladies? No. All right. Have you seen twenty feet? Have you seen Have you seen the YouTube of the guy who goes to pick up girls in his truck and it's a little toy truck? He's <laughs> like, like a college girl who's no. picking up and he actually has, has a ride on the back. He's like, yeah, so I'd like to take you out for dinner. And, oh, you know. that's good boost. Good boost. <laughs> hey, you, then, you know they're not after your money. It's, it's pretty hilarious. They're not gold these girls I'll check it out. Get on the goddamn truck. <laughs> so we've got the Eagles versus the Chargers. These teams haven't played since 2013. The Chargers are seemingly getting more banged up on defense by the week. Uh, Carson Wentz has been you know, pretty damn good as a fantasy quarterback. He's really starting to air it out more. Zach Ertz has been one of the best tight ends in football. He's locked into your lineups. Uh, unfortunately, they did lose Darren Sproles to a broken arm and a torn ACL on the same play. What, what a shitty... Who, who do you think he is? Wendell Davis? He can't have multiple injuries on one, on one play. What a shitty fucking way to go out, though, because he was talking about retiring. We'll see if we'll see Darren Sproles back, but that guy was a joy to watch for all those many years and just the variety of things he could do. You ever, Com- seen, you ever seen his wife? No. He'll be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> but now, now you look at that running back core, they've got LeGarrette Blunt. Smallwood is that is he the third down back? I mean they just re-signed Kenyon Barner today. I Corey Corey Clement finally got some act, action in the last game. Is, uh, he, is that is he a rookie, that guy? Yeah, he's a rookie out of Wisconsin. Yeah. But he's a guy who's only had nineteen collegiate catches in four years. So you're looking at that and you're like uh, maybe he's not the guy to fill in on the third down roll, but Smallwood has a history of catching passes. Uh, Kenyon Barner has a history of catching passes and has been in that system. So th- there is some guys who can take his place, but LeGarrette Blunt sort of touched down or bust every week because he's not seeing 20 carries. He's seeing 13, 12, uh, and yeah. But the, I, other thing, the thing about Smallwood, he had 12 carries last week, 71 yards. I was going to look at it. Oh, Sproles is gone. He's now the number two guy. But no, they're bringing all these other guys in there because Smallwood is what his name is. He's small. All right? So this is not... Smallwood? He's Jewish? Yeah. Him and, <laughs> him and Tariq Cohen. They're in the same temple. So I, I'm telling you that that don't expect him to be getting 12 carries on a weekly basis. He's going to maybe get himself four to four to six carries but he's going to be that guy that's going to be used more as that receiving threat, more the way that Darren Sproles. I was. think he has more carry upside than four to that's, five. You think? Yeah, I mean, he's had you know in the NFL, he's had some success carrying the ball fifteen to eighteen times. Uh, he's had that sort of past history in his sort of game logs and repertoire. So I think maybe he's got Buck Allen like upside, but he's on a better he's offense. Got Ninety-six career rushes, including this year. Yeah, what's his game career high? Uh, well, here's a question I got for you while you're coming up with that. So we, I, I was able to, uh, based on us doing well with our player rankings, seventy-nine. Fantasy Pros asked us if we wanted to uh, contribute to a waiver wire piece this week. I conferred with both you guys. Houdini made up the waiver wire rankings. We decided who we were going to write up, and it was um, Jamal Charles. Three of the other experts, I think three out of five, chose Smallwood. Mm -hmm. 
as a pickup, as you know, it's probably in most cases we're gonna you're gonna hear this essentially after your waiver wire happens on Tuesday night, most leagues, summer Wednesday. But do you think that that is if you're number one in the waiver wire or number two? Do you what are your feelings on going after Owendo with this news? Uh, what are you going to get out of this guy uh, on your team? Is it a good right, well, pickup, or is it a guy that you're going to start one week after you grab him, and you're going to be like, he's going to be your next drop? Here's what I worry about. They bring in all these other running backs, okay? He's been there for a long time, and he wasn't getting all of his touches until Darren Sproles got hurt. So what is Jamal Charles? Where is Smallwood in comparison to Charles? Am I saying that, that Charles is the guy to absolutely go after? No, we talked about who I thought was more interesting of a write-up, and Smallwood is that guy who's kind of now stepping into basically where Jamal Charles' role is with Denver, with C.J. Anderson ahead of him. So he's kind of that offshoot. He's really just getting like, you know, getting his 10 touches per game. That's kind of what you're going to be expecting from Smallwood. But the difference is if LeGarrette Blunt were to go down, does Smallwood all of a sudden become a 25-carry back? Jamal Charles, if C.J. Anderson goes down, becomes a 20-plus touch a guy a week Player, so and he's shown the flashes that everyone was worried about that he had lost. So he's doing it in sparse detail, and he has a history of being able to do it over the long haul. And the fact that he hasn't taken the hits versus a younger player, which sometimes it can be better to go for that younger player, especially at the running back position. But I just don't see Smallwood being able to take that extra step to being able to be a twenty touch-plus guy on a weekly basis. I think he's Buck Allen, but in a better offense. So that gives him some upside to me. I, I think their offensive line's better. So if we're looking at it like that, he's getting a 10 or so carries, targeted five times in the pass game. That makes him an RB2 weekly in a PPR league. Uh, in standard, yeah, you're looking at more of a flex play. But... You know, what with what's currently available on the waiver wire, there's not very many of these guys that are going to step into 20 carries a game in, in any sort of... Well, no, and, and, if, and Smallwood now becomes a guy who you can play as a flex play on a weekly basis. Yeah. Um, but so is Charles. I mean... It, well, let's move on. I think we spent enough time on the yeah, running backs charges. here. No, let's oh, talk no, about no, the wide no, receivers. No. Um, Alshon Jeffries look good, not great. Uh, he's made some splash plays, but he's also played some tough competition, you know, in a couple of these weeks. Now he gets probably Casey Hayward, uh, and that and that's a pretty tough matchup. But overall, I look for Jeffrey to be another wide receiver three flex play type week, and then eventually his schedule is going to open up, and he's going to be locked into your lineups. Kobe um, Bacon, you say? You know, it's a. Uh, I'm a little. I like it. I like it, but I'm a little too lazy to do it. It's a whole to do. You know, it hurts my neck. Yeah, I'm too lazy. You're too lazy to do it. It hurts my neck. <laughs> Nelson. <laughs> Nelson Aguilar has seen about five targets a week. Uh, you know, scoring some touchdowns for Torrey Smith. They're taking deep shots to him. One of the times he's going to be able to convert here. Uh, Carson Wentz, I sort of like against Chargers this week. That, that, Zach Ertz is locked in. Zach Ertz is on like a 1,300 yard pace. Yeah, he's looking good. 
and you, you you pull back to last season and the, the run he's on right now is pretty impressive. He started uh, off the season hot, which he's never done before in ever. his career. Are you, are you excited? I know that in the offseason you were a guy that was a little worried about Wentz. Um, you think you feel it? You coming around a little? Well, bit they've com- they've completely changed the offense and they've taken the shackles off and just allowed them to take deep shots. Deep, more, and deep, give duck, more deep yeah, giving them more weapons and allowed them to take deep shots, which is something he rarely did. And he's sort of showing that uh, athletic upside that he had uh, running the ball. So all those things, you know, coming together. Yeah, you got to like him a lot more than the outlook. In the off season, didn't I, last say, year, didn't no, I say they were going to open it up for him? I mean, so we did. And they, I'm, not, I'm not saying that to like to say, "Hey, no, told no. you so." But what they did is last year's Jordan Matthews was his number right, one. Right, right. Well, they had and they had it, and look, they they didn't want to ruin not the a kid. Good time for a you don't ruin a rookie quarterback and, and, and get him into bad habits, right? So that's why you constrain them when they're younger, so that that way, then you start opening things up, so then you can say. But that's what. But the difference is. When I look at the rookie quarterbacks this year, they're not doing that with Deshaun Kaiser. They're not doing that with Deshaun Watson. They're letting them kind of just go out there and be who they are, make the big plays. We're going to take the mistakes and we're going to roll with it. Whereas with Wentz, it was more like it was it it was a different type of teaching method. Now we'll see because you know Bill O'Brien's one of the great uh, quarterback gurus that's out there. We'll see. Oh man, that fucking hurts. Yeah, can we stop saying that? I love Colin Hurd. Here's the moniker. Colin Hurd goes, can we call uh, Bill O'Brien the backup quarterback whisperer? Well, maybe he is. <laughs> Bill Verdey. Let's move on. It didn't happen. Okay. Did, that's oh, what you, that's what, what it was. Is, is that you yeah. talking to your I'll, penis? No. We'll get it. We'll get it. Here it is. Here it is. I love it. Enjoy. Care episode. Lies. Doing great work. Lies. All right, we're moving on. Moving on. So, going to the Chargers, I mean, Phillip Rivers has sort of been disappointing through a couple weeks here. Hasn't really put it, to, <laughs> hasn't really put it together in a game. Uh, he's currently the. I think I saw a lot of people here. He's currently the 24th ranked passer. Has just one 300-yard game. Has a three-touchdown game. Uh, and now he gets to take on the Eagles, who, yeah, you should be able to throw on. This should be a great time for Phillip Rivers. Um, is Can he get it all going as receivers? You know, Allen has been good, but then they've been mixing and matching with uh, Travis Benjamin and Tyrell Williams and even some Dontrell Inman, and then they've been mixing and matching at uh, the tight end position with yeah, Hunter Henry and Antonio Gates. What do we do? What do you do if you're a Hunter Henry owner? Because you go from zero good. catches to oh yeah, everything's back to zero catches. Yeah, I mean it, it's tough to say if you're an owner of Hunter Henry because he was more consistent in his rookie year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a Hunter Henry owner. I am too. I'm feeling not the burn. Sucked. You're feeling the burn. <laughs> uh, Feel so, the burn. So with Hunter Henry, I think this is probably a decent week to start him. Um, but you're asking for some faith. Uh, Jordan Reed caught five passes against him, banged up on eight targets in week one. Evan Ingram caught five passes on seven targets for 45 yards uh, in week three. Travis Kelsey went off for eight for te- eight receptions on ten targets and 103 yards and a touchdown. So these guys all sort of have had pretty good games. 
The question is, are they going to play him? Are they going to run him on pass routes? Uh, because he seems to be the more effective inline blocker and that they're letting Antonio Gates run more of the routes. And they're also you know, switching between two tight end sets and three running backs or three wide receiver sets, and that's taking one of those guys off the field sometimes. And it's a tough call. Like, you're going out on a limb whenever you start him right now until we see some more consistency, and the same thing with Antonio Gates. He's got to say, I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Blocking him without giving me his damn ball. What? Who is that even? I don't even know. Is that um, <laughs> that, like, probably like Foreigner or, or uh, like Super Tramp or something like that? One of those. I, I assumed it was Terrell Owens. <laughs> uh, let's um, let's. I agree. This is this is probably. I think Count Keenan Allen's locked in. Melvin Gordon's locked in. And if you've been hanging on to Philip Rivers, this is a Rivers. Rivers. This is a decent week damn, to slot actually. him in the lineup to. You know, stream them. Steely Dan. Too bad their uh, th- th- their main their main guy uh, passed away a couple weeks ago. Oh. Yeah, yeah, the guitarist from Steely Dan, the oh. main one of the two main guys. R.I.P. That, that was what Dog used to always do. We'd show up and all of a sudden, like, oh, who died? Who died? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's go on to our next matchup. Cool, right? Next. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Giants at. The Buccaneers, but yeah, it's a good call. Before we get into this game, let's listen to a word from our sponsor. Thank you very much. We got the Giants at the Buccaneers. Um, Eli, 0-3 Giants against the 1-1 Buccaneers. Two terrible run teams. I mean, this could be two of the worst rushing offenses the league's seen in the does, last Does Doug Martin years. come back for this one? No, because they missed that first. They, oh, that's they, right, because they had the yeah, uh, the forced bye week, so he got to sit one more. Yeah. So, but how about uh, Eli Manning give you one of his, uh, this is what Eli Manning does. He'll give you like that weird 300 and 400 yard game with three, four touchdowns, scores you a ton of fantasy points, and then he kind of come back and give you a, a six point performance. So, is that what's going to happen this week? Is, is, is that what we should expect? I, I look at it this way. If Case we, Keenum can carve up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I like Eli this week. Well, that's what I'm, and the other thing is, though, it's, it's on the road, um, which I don't know if that's good or bad for Eli. Uh, I, I just think that it's better for Tampa Bay to be at home. And I think that, uh, you know, I look at this game as, okay, you, you can look at it as on the outside, as the matchup of OBJ versus Mike Evans. Is this going to be one of those ones where they're each going to be throwing it up? And every time you get a game like that, what ends up happening if I own both those guys is that they end up with each with like about two catches for 14 yards by the time the first half ends. <laughs> Here's the thing. And then I'll let Stags go on a little run here. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Have played two games, one of them against the Chicago Bears. Would you say the Chicago Bears have the worst wide receiver crew in the history of the NFL? NFL? Yeah, Yeah. and they're still last in defense against wide receivers. Pretty pathetic. That means one game against all right, deep, uh, pretty good defense, and one against the worst in the history. They're still last. They're allowing thirty-six point three points per game against wide receivers. That is just awful, and looks like OBJ is getting ready to get going. 
Yeah, OBJ got going last He got week. going. I mean, two touchdown catches, one just – both were pretty sick. Yeah, both nasty. But, but one of them was special, and you saw that from OBJ. Um, so – but also, the real thing is it comes down to Eli and Eli getting rid of the ball. Last week, he had the quickest time to release of the ball of any quarterback in the NFL, according to NFL Next Gen stats. So they know that offensive line is a problem. What do you do to combat that? You get rid of the fucking ball. Uh, if they continue to do that, you get o- Odell on those slant routes that he can take to the house at any time, or you get him on those shallow crossers, uh, think good things are going to happen. We even saw Brandon Marshall awaken a little bit from his shell with Odell sort of back in the lineup. Sterling Shepard would great again. He's been that was probably a there. sick touchdown. He's probably been there, and he should have had two. If you ask me, I mean, the other one was damn near close. I don't know how you don't call that one a score. But uh, Shepard's probably been over the three-game sample size we have, their most consistent wide receiver. So I'm And it at- makes sense, right? Because when you have Brandon Marshall and Odell Beckham out there on the field, he should be getting very favorable matchups. Yeah. And he's going to continue to see very damn favorable right. matchups, matchups in the slot. Uh, so how about Evan Ingram too? He continues to produce. Yeah, and uh, with Levante David now out, that could be big for their tight end coverage. Um, I like Ingram. He's been one of the more consistent fantasy tight ends in football. It might sound crazy, but his four and a half, you know, fantasy points. And then he's a good game. PPR. It's even like he, yeah. he's giving you those five, six catches as a tight end, not giving you the two or three. Yeah, he, he's been you know pretty damn good. Uh, yeah, so I, I like all their passing game weapons. Paul Perkins is washed until he shows some signs of life. Because this offensive line is bad. He's not breaking any tackles. They need a guy who can break tackles. So if Orleans Darkor were any healthier, I'd be expecting him to take more and more of the workload. But it's but just does, not there. But does Orleans, Orleans Darkor... Even with what he did, okay, so fine. He had the bigger run last week. He had a 20-yard run. He ended up with seven carries for 22 yards. <laughs> but at least he no, makes yeah, it. He breaks I know, I know, but, but the, I, there was something to run this ball all year. There was something that I read on Perkins. Uh, I'm going to botch it. I should have written it down. But he goes down on 88% first of contact. his rush's first contact. Yeah, that's another. He's yeah, a Jeremy Langford nugget. Is that a Barrett? Yeah. Barrett, Barrett is Silva. Yeah, those guys I, I, I lock in on all the time with those kinds of things. It's a bad, like, it's a bad you habit. You touch the guy, he's down. Yeah, it's bad. And, you know, he had sort of that elusiveness score in college, but it's just not translating to the NFL right now. So all of these running backs are sit, sit, sit. The only one both, you can, team, both sides. The only one you can even consider is Shane Vereen in a PPR because he's going to catch dump-offs. Like, they should just go, like, Patriot-style, abandon the run game and play dump-off to your running backs. So this should basically be a game where you basically bench all the running backs. You can start... You'll start Jameis Winston, right? And you can maybe start. Why? Maybe. Why are we starting Jameis Winston? Like for because he's going to throw thirty-eight to forty times in the game. I'm not. I don't, I'm not buying it either. Let's stay. Hold on. Let's stay on the Giants side for a minute. OBJ, forty-four games to have three hundred career catches, fastest ever. Guy's a stud. That's pretty sweet. Um, here's what I'll say before we go on to uh, one. The Giants. We're scoreless in three quarters last week. Why can't they just figure out and get it going? That's all I'm going to ask. Uh, and look, then, look at their head coach. 
Yeah. Just take a picture and look at that. That's here you go. Bob Bankabee. Here's a couple other stats that I came across. Giants are two and six in their last eight road games. That doesn't bode well for them. Um, but the other thing I'll say is that the Giants have to win this game. They're own three. If you're own four, there's no shot you're making the playoffs. Especially when everybody else in your division yeah, is two and one already. Yeah, it's already it's doing, your division's actually doing pretty well. So. What happens? How does how does that work out? Is it the do they win this game or are they gonna be just a shit team? And if they're a shit team, I'm gonna tell you right now, and they have no, it's gonna be good news for uh, OBJ. If they're just shitty, they should be like, all right, let's just sell some OBJ. My answer is they're a shit team. They are not able to run the ball at all. So with no effective chance left to run the game. You become a one-dimensional team. Thank God you have extra weapons out there. You need to have OBJ. They're going to be playing from behind. They're going to be chucking it up. Uh, Eli's going to be throwing for a lot of 300-yard games. He's going to be throwing for a lot of multiple touchdowns and a lot of multiple interceptions. <laughs> but you know what? If you throw over 300 yards, give me at least two touchdowns. I'll take his potential two touchdowns and three interception games, depending on how your league's rules are, especially if you get long touchdowns, because he's going to get some. Let's go over to the Buccaneers side. I like it. You sounded like one of those guys at the end of a... Like a car commercial with all the... Oh, with the, uh, like, like sub, a micro-machines sub, guy. Subtext? Yeah. They just, like, take the whatever they say and they speed it up times, like, ten. I do that normal. <laughs> so, we're talking we're talk about Jameis Winston. And, like, his per-game stats, you go get a 14-team mocker for this one. They're, like, the exact same as Josh McCown in, in games that Josh McCown starts. Like, Jameis Winston, over the start of his career, has been, you know, he throws for yards, but the touchdown rate isn't special. The interception rate is too damn high. It is special. <laughs> the interception rate is too damn high. Over the first three games of the season, uh, the Giants have allowed 268 yards passing to Dak Prescott, 122 to Matthew Stafford, even though they sort of took the foot off the pedal and didn't really throw it in the second half. And 176 to Carson Wentz, who we think is an approved player. So they're not really letting it go. You know, his pension for throwing interceptions could come up big to guys like Janoris Jenkins, Landon Collins. Is Jenkins going to play this week? He played last week. Okay. So he's definitely, he looks pretty healthy. He looks like he's going to be back. Like, Jameis isn't putting it all together just yet. They need to play that balanced style like they did against the Bears. They can't and wait for Doug Martin to get back. Well, they, 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 have, they again, they're a team that has no running attack. They, Do you want to know how many yards right? they got last week against the Vikings? Let me guess. As rushing total? 42. 54. 22 rushing yards last <laughs> week. <laughs> 22 <laughs> rushing yards. Good God. Should have left your quiz Rodgers. It's hard, it's hard to be a successful team when you're completely one-dimensional. Yeah. And especially against the defense, that is pretty damn good for the Giants, who can get after the passer, who can you know make cause havoc in terms of interceptions. So if I don't have to start Jameis Winston, I'm not actively looking to do so. But the other thing I'll say is a positive for Jameis Winston is you, you got to give him more games with Deshaun Jackson. And look, Deshaun Jackson got a lot of targets last week. That was for his touchdown. Um, he's that big play deep down the field guy. He, he makes two connections with him in a game, and all of a sudden he, he looks like a hell of a lot better of a quarterback for fantasy. I agree with that. I agree with that. And, and it doesn't take much. It, you just keep giving them the shots. They're, they're going to have to because they can't run. Evan, I'm not talking about that game. If Janoris is, is back, Evan's got a tough matchup. 
So he's a, Adam's got a tough matchup again and again and again. And he like, does not have an easy schedule. Yeah, so I, I'm still going to go out and play Mike Evans just because of that touchdown upside, especially in the red zone. Uh, I like Deshaun um, as the secondary wide receiver. I think Cameron Bray really sort of just you know, shown that he's the more established tight end in this offense. We're avoiding all the running backs, so that's the end of this game. Cool. Let me give a quick pyro, pyro promo. Uh, do me a favor. Uh, become a pyro pro. This is your um, direct access to the pyro mind share. Basically, it's a great little package. You can either pay 40 bucks for an entire year, not just the football season, but an entire year if you buy it tomorrow. You're going to be able to have it until September 27th of 2018. Uh, big things that we do is just uh, second opinions. You can ask us any direct questions you want. Waiver wire question, trade questions, start sit questions, flex questions, any feedback you want. If you're doing daily fantasy football, you can ask us questions on that. Other things that are huge on this is we're number two right now with the Pyro Heat Index. Number one. I mean, sorry, number one with the Pyro Heat Index. And if you're not a Pyro Pro, you don't get to see all the gust and the glory of the Pyro Heat Index. You're just going to be able to see the list view. And it's it's a little bit of a different uh, uh, monster in, in that world. So when you're a Pyro Pro, you're looking and you're able to get all the graphics and seven stat lines um, I've got, I'm not being able to find the window of it right now. I'm feeling bad. Oh, I got it. Um, if you are a Pyro Pro member, you've got strength of schedule in the team you're playing against. You've got Pyro Power Rankings. So you're able to find out what the team that your player right there in this position is playing against this week. How many fantasy points did they allow to that position before? You've got your heat index score. We've got your almanac projections, strength of schedule uh, score, implied point total score, the spread score, the human element, and your workload score. Essentially, if you're a pyro free person, it's still awesome. You get to see our rankings. But if you're a pyro pro and you're paying for it, you're going to be able to see all the charting and get a much better detailed view of why we're saying that this guy, in this case, let's say Aaron Rodgers, is, is ranked number one this last week. But uh, So check it out, Pyro Pro. You can dip, in, dip your feet in if you don't want to dive all the way in for $10 a month or $5 a week. Um, in general, it's just a good time. You can ask us any question you want. You get the Pyro heat index information and what else can you ask for so become a pyro pro thank you here's what i'll say the last thing i'll say on that uh this is gonna be weird if i say it no no i'm not gonna say it it had it was porn related so i'm gonna 49ers at cardinals <laughs> oh, can, I, can i talk about the music then yeah, yeah yeah so we open with young holt unlimited this was a chicago band from 1966 to 1974 uh, opened up with whack whack, and we're gonna end up with wah wah man. Young, what is this? Young Holt, H O L T Unlimited, wow. a soul uh, instrumental band from Chicago. Love it. Love the obscurity. Go for it, stag party.
Okay, so we've got the 49ers who really sort of put on a show late to come back in that game. Their offense looks improved. Their defense does not. It looks like Brian Hoyer is going to have to throw the ball in order for them to keep up. But also, you know, Carlos Hyde has looked like a top 10 running back. Uh, they're using him, and when he's healthy and in the lineup, they look like a different team than with these other guys like Matt Breida. So I'm liking Carlos Hyde a lot this week. Uh, we saw Zeke get it going late um, against the Cardinals. The Cardinals are, are pretty tough against the run game, but I don't think at this point you can not play Carlos Hyde. I think he's locked in as an RB2 for you. Um, you know, Pierre Garçon probably is going to get a Patrick Peterson treatment, which sucks for him, but the overall number of targets and the plays that that guy was making along the sideline, how the fuck does Impressive. anybody defend those? Well, that's one of the things that Pierre Garçon has done as good if not better than anybody else has been like the ridiculous sideline catches over his entire career going back to his early days in Indianapolis. So, I, I mean, I'm still probably going to throw out Garçon as a flex play, wide receiver three type, uh, just because of overall targets. But Trent Taylor, that's a guy we really saw you know, some flashes from in sort of that Wes Welker, uh, quick hitting passes type of role. And if you think that's pass interference, you're fucking out of your mind. <laughs> what, what do you expect that offensive player to do there? Like, I, I can't put my hand down now because it looks like I'm extending. Come on now. That, that was a great play by that guy. The routes were crisp. And he looks like a guy who can get open in that Cole Beasley type of mold. So I, I sort of like him against the second and third corners of this team. I mean, the rest of the corners for the Cardinals besides Patrick Peterson are basically special teams players that are stuck into playing that role. Uh, so I, I like Goodwin. Right, but the, what's the one guy's name? Branch, right? Is the other Tavon guy? Branch. Tavon Branch. For IDP players, like people who are going after the, the Honey Badger, you're not getting the points with the Honey Badger. They're throwing it at, at, at Branch. I got him in my IDP league. He scored me 11.5 points last week. 10.5 points last week. 11 tackles, 10 solo, one half, one assisted tackle. Branch if is... You get the pass defended, all of a sudden that's another two points. It's like, so... Yeah. Branch is a freak. He's like one of those athletic freaks, and you're not picking on Patrick Peterson. You're not picking on Tyron Nathayu. So, you know, this guy's going to pick up some tackles for you. So yeah, that's I, great. So You can definitely see that. And he's a guy that I picked up off the waiver wire two weeks ago in IDP, so if he's still out there, grab him. That's one of those sneaky. You always want, it's not the name players that you want at defensive back. You want the rookies and the unknowns who everybody else, or the guy opposite the stud because they don't throw at the stud. Totally agree. Yeah. You've always preached that. It's so true. Uh, so, looking at the rest of this team, I, I mean, there's nobody really locked in. You can start here besides Carlos Hyde, Pierre Garçon. I think uh, Goodwin's a nice, decent dart throw, maybe Taylor, but those guys are just absolute dart throws. Absolute dart. Uh, Goodwin, like, you know, I love his speed, I love uh, you know, what he can bring, but if you're not in a long touchdown league and you're not in a PPR league, where you even get at least a little bit something extra from his couple receptions, it's it's becomes complete boomer bust. Complete Let's boomer move over bust. to the to the Cardinals. I mean, Larry fucking Fitzgerald. How about it? The dude can still fucking play. Larry Fitzgerald and against the 49ers, I've got no concerns of this matchup. Fucking fire up Larry yet again. Uh, lock him into your lineups. Great, great you know matchup for him. Uh, 
and Carson Palmer obviously trusts him more than anybody else. Jaron Brown seems to be the guy getting the secondary targets. Uh, you know, J.J. Nelson sort of banged up. And George uh, JJ being sort of a one-trick pony, a deep player. Yeah, well, what else does he? What else? What else does JJ Nelson bring to the table? He is, he is the that young Ted Ginn, right? That one-trick pony. One-trick pony. That's it. So, but hey, if he gets a little bit healthier this week, I could see you know five or six targets going his way. How about John and, Brown, do we have any any word on when? when, when I'm when? not counting on John Brown until like late in the week when he's officially active. I mean, even then. I don't think I could start him, man. Yeah, this that's the whole problem because every week becomes so iffy. So hopefully none of you guys, hopefully we had, I know in the preseason, we were not talking up John Brown at all. So hopefully everybody didn't put the stock in him because this is where those other guys come in. When John Brown doesn't play, then J.J. Nelson becomes that, that deep threat down the field. Jerron Brown then becomes more of that safety blanket type of a player that you can play. When John Brown's in there, it screws everybody else up and no one really comes out of it looking good. Except for Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald. The running back situation is a mess. Uh, I mean, Chris Johnson is going to be the starter again. but it, like, Ineffective if, if he is like he is. Like, what do you want from fucking Chris Johnson? 14 for 40? Like, that's what he's going to do in your fantasy lineups. You know he's not going to catch the ball. In a PPR league, the probably guest guy to own here is Andre Ellington who looked like he should get more and more work as the runner because he looked like the most dynamic player on the field. And, yeah, you might break him. But at this point, (laughs) what do you have to lose? You have nothing to lose. So I sort of like Andre Ellington in PPR leagues as sort of that deep stash um, who who could start to see a little bit more work in the run game and maybe be in that 10-carry, you know, five or six target mold, and you know, provide you some PPR value. The rest of the guys, Kerwin Williams saw, you know, like five total offensive snaps. One mostly, carry, I think. Was mostly used as an offensive. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald's the only guy, in my opinion, that we really, you, you really can be started. This is an old team, but he's the one old guy that's still worth playing. Carson Palmer looked pretty damn good, though. But and even against San Francisco. I think Carson Palmer's one of the better streamers of the week yet again. There's a lot of good streamers of the week, and there's not, like, the guy. And quarterback yeah. scoring, there's been 26 different quarterbacks already to have a top, you know, uh, 12 week. That's out of 32 players. So that means six players have repeated twice. Well, which is also why when we – we, are we done with this game? Because yeah. sure. I'd say this leads perfectly into what's going to happen in the next game where you have another top quarterback who's not going to have a top week because he's Derek Carr going on the road and having to go into Denver. It, it does not bode well. I, you know, as good as Amari Cooper. Mariota or Derek Carr this week? Oh, I take Mariota. Okay. Mariota. <laughs> I'm just playing. Look, I'm, yeah, right. I mean, look, <laughs> as much as I'm a Derek Carr backer, I'm, I'm not a one to shy away and understand tough matchups and playing on the road in Denver is a tough matchup. But he had a sh- he didn't even have a tough matchup last week. I know. Shite the shite. It was, um, it, was it the national spotlight? I don't know. Was it? It was yeah. something. Something because it was bad. It was S- terrible. Ruined my uh, fan duels. Fuck you. Thank you very much. So looking at Denver though, they haven't been absolutely dominant against quarterbacks like they had were last mm-hmm. season. They're, they allowed 
17.7 to uh, Phillip Rivers. They allowed 15.9 to Dak Prescott. They allowed 17.8 to Tyrod Taylor. Last year, they were allowing tr- just 12.3 fantasy points a game to opposing quarterbacks. But those corners are tough. Uh, so, you know, you look at Amari Cooper, his average stat line uh, against this Denver team is like three catches for 32 yards. So if you want to consider sitting Amari Cooper, especially with the drop, the frustrating ass drops that he's had so far through the season, you know, you could I could see doing that. And if you want to sort of pull back on Michael Crabtree a little bit and just adjust expectations, I could see doing that. Maybe Jared Cook. Yeah, I love talking about my boy. Jared Cook's been a top 12 tight end in two or three weeks, and you know, right now he looks like the best matchup on the board. Especially with sort of how they're splitting up the run game, and Denver has decided, hey, fuck it, we'll make these quarterbacks try and beat us. We will just plug the box mm-hmm. against guys like Shady McCoy and uh, you know and Ezekiel Martin, Elliott the week and before that, and, and Melvin Gordon, yeah. and now and now Marshawn Lynch. But also, we got to remember that Latavius Murray went off against the Denver Broncos last year. If they could establish a run game, that that could be the difference maker, because that they just ran it down Denver's throats last year. Do you almost think that they would be better off with? I mean, how have you felt about Marshawn so far? Marshawn has had good opportunities, and to me, it's just been leaving food on the table. And um, I look at it and go, man, I almost kind of would relish to go back to the Latavius Murray. Three-headed monster that we have with Jalen Richard in Washington, and 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 just play matchups. Hot take, right? I know. Well, but it is one of those things, and it's like, is that also potentially hurting the rest of the team with the them trying to just get Marshawn going? I don't know if they I are. I don't think they're trying to. I think the well, maybe truth that's, is, maybe that's what they need to do. I think no. I think the truth is, Carr's a great quarterback. I think this offense is overrated. I think Crabtree's a solid play. I like what Cook is doing as well. Um, but I think this offense is uh, fantasy football overrated. That may be. That may be. I mean, I think Mari Cooper's going to get it going. I just don't believe it's against the Denver corners. Uh, well, they will still play. Look, if you look at this division, would you say Denver's one of the best defenses in the NFL? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Would you say I've that Kansas City is one of the best defenses in the NFL? Yes. And would you say when everyone's telling me that the Chargers are one of the better defenses in the NFL? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, this, that's, that's, that's six for goddamn games. I know, like, I know. It's tough. Like, but he and, does have a lot he's of got expl- He's got the explosion factor. But. He's got the explosion factor. But right now, like, you, they need to establish Marshawn early in this game. And then maybe they could pass off it and things like that. But... You know, Marshawn Lynch is on a limited snap count. And if they're ever trailing, it's going to be guys who are more explosive, like Jalen Richard and uh, DeAndre Washington, who got the mop-up duty last week. So he's on that snap count. He's on the carry count. Like, overall, for fantasy football, Marshawn's not more than an RB2. No, and and where Marshawn was going to pay the big dividends was this was supposed to be the high-powered offense. You get in the red zone, you're getting down close to the goal line, and Marshawn's going to end the season with 14 to 15 touchdowns. And that's still, it still could, I'm not saying 14 or 15, but Maybe that's he, still he what he's doing. Though. That's still what he's doing, but 
I think in general he's already his aloofness and his attitude is almost being more coming to a detriment more so than um, than anything else. But I think it was he was a bridge signing so that the uh, the Oakland fans would want to be excited about the Oakland Raiders before they, they know go to it's the Vegas Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders. But I don't know. I'm. I gotta be honest, I know, you guys know that I love uh, Amari first and foremost out of school, out of college, but he just, he's not a gamer. So I'm are, sorry. Are you almost seeing it like the way that the he's lot of, not a the gamer. Uh, not like a badass it. football player that's just like, I want to fucking be the guy that wins the game for my team. Right. He's not that guy. Like, that he came out, he, has moments. he was pro-ready, and made great plays, and just, but he's just... That's what he is, and what you saw was the top end. Like, like everyone who's expecting it to go to an extra level or two levels or three levels above, it just doesn't have that gear. I don't think. He's, he's a great player. He just is what he is. Very, very good player. Yeah, yeah. I, that's what I, I'm starting to. I'm not starting. I've always thought that over the last couple of years, but I don't know. Is, is, is he any? Is, in three years, if things don't change drastically, and he has big games, so I'm not saying he's a bad player. I think he's great. I think he's a really good player. I just don't think he's elite like he always gets tried. Hopefully he's more like um, Anthony Miller than mm-hmm. David Boston. Because <laughs> right now he's, he's, he's the most overrated. He's the most overdrafted player. He was a second rounder yeah. in essentially every league I was in. And every time someone did that, I was like, that's a bad pick. There you go. And it's, it's pretty. And he was a guy that I had hired that, as we kept talking about in all the podcasts leading up, Amari, I think, was initially like my number eight receiver. I think I moved him down to like number twelve or thirteen or fourteen, somewhere around there. So I hope he pulls it together. Stuff yeah. against him, so like, he just doesn't seem to have that 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 fortitude to be an awesome player. Anyway, enough. We I do this all the time. Let's go to Denver. Stags, talk to us about your boy Sanders over Demarc uh, Demarius. What a target week, huh? Yeah, what a target week, but Demarius outproduced him in yardage yeah, and matches, right. right? Yeah. Uh, so. And scores, right? <laughs> I, I don't think he scored. I don't think either of them scored. Um, so, I mean, it, we talk about how they were still that three-headed, they, how they were moving from being that two-headed wide receiver monster to moving to more spreading it out to the other players, to Benny Fowler and to the tight ends. But last week, when it was all on the line for Trevor Simeon, he just fed those wide receivers. And I think it's something that's going to have to continue to happen against Oakland. Uh, I think the way to beat them is through the air. I think you'll be able to do that. Um, but, but at the same time, Benny Fowler did finish with only two targets less than Demarius Thomas on the day. Seven yeah. targets. Yeah, Fowler is making a little bit of headway into that two-headed monster. Where it was Lattimore, everyone thought it was going to be Lattimore at the beginning, and then Fowler's come back. Yeah. You know, this is also where it goes to show the unseen things that we don't see, right? All of us fans, you just watch the games. You don't see what happens on these practices on a weekly basis. And those position battles for the third wide receiver on teams like this behind two studs is heated every week. These guys are having to prove themselves because... You make one bad play in the game, now you've lost your job to the other guy. Now you got to take two weeks to get it back. But we don't want to play any of those guys. No, Fowler yeah, or Latimer, so but, but I will tell you this. Fowler, if he can continue to maintain in that third role. Now the problem is, is Denver really going to throw enough to make it worth a, a worthwhile for him? Probably not. Not unless you're in a 14 or 16 team league. But 
Emmanuel Sanders is that one of the, the guy who came at the most value of all of these. He had 14 targets for the first two weeks. He had 15 targets last week. So Stag parties, boy, you, I, I give you credit. You're like, Emmanuel Sanders the best value in every draft every year. And you're right. <laughs> because he's also a downfield threat. He's also an underneath threat. He, he gives you a, the multitude of everything that he can do. And he has the other good receiver on the other side. So he's, he's not drawing targets. Another, 15 targets. 15 targets. Demers had nine, Benny had seven. I need a drink. Hold on. Day. <laughs> I got a pubic hair. <laughs> you got a pubic hair? Yeah. And you throw it. So, Demarius Thomas is the leader in receptions and yardage uh, currently through three weeks. But Emmanuel Sanders has more targets and has scored two touchdowns, so he's way ahead in fantasy scoring. Um, and that that seems to be the difference. Demarius, you know, Sands Peyton Manning has had, you know, a six touchdown season and a five touchdown season. Can he even get to five or six this year? Because right now, he, you know, without that touchdown upside, he's like a wide receiver three in standard leagues, a wide receiver two in PPR, just because the volume he seems to get on a weekly basis. And, he, and he's that becomes that name player that you start every week. But that you, you might not need to, yeah. Right, and you just get disappointed by it. So, I, I guess it really comes back, I mean, I think you could start both of those guys against Oakland. Are you starting the running backs? Are you starting both, or just one, or what are you thinking? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to be starting C.J. Anderson until I get the full-on, it's not working. Now, if I, it depends where I am. If I'm a team that was, uh, as again, we were talking about Jamal Charles earlier. If I was a team that was heavily invested and I went heavy on wide receivers in my draft and I waited until the fifth or sixth round before I started drafting running backs, then yeah, you better be jumping on Jamal Charles and putting him onto your lineup and have him out there as an option because there's not many guys out there that you can pick up, him and a small one, that are going to get at least a 12 to, to, to 10 to 12 touches on a weekly basis. And at least with his history of over five yards per touch, that's what you need. You need five to yards per carry. carry. Yeah, right. Not even per touch. per touch. Yeah, six, seven per touch or something, right? So. Yeah, so he's back at that five yard per carry mark. He, he's looked explosive when given the opportunities. And with, you know, 12 to 15 touches in a game and playing 30 snaps, this guy could still be effective. And he provides you that sort of. PPR floor, despite not really being involved in the passing game yet, just yet, he's just he's had just one target every week. Uh, I, I, yeah. think that, I think that's something that they're going to start scheming a little bit more is how to get Jamal Charles the ball in space, get him the ball in the passing game, and and see what he can really do because but that's one really of the most dynamic aspects. But they're really not targeting any of the running backs. And you know, it, that's, that's maybe, and, now, and maybe this is a problem for Trevor Simeon. Maybe this is something that he just doesn't do well because he's breaking down and maybe he's, he's looking to, uh, to try to avoid a sack or to, or to run or to not take those easier dump-offs, and he's not giving his, his players a chance to help him out as much. Game manager style? Well, game manager and just more like, um, or maybe he's just not as effective at, at percentage-wise, throwing those passes, right? You know, we see quarterbacks all the time. It's like, like as a Bear fan, you remember from 1990 until 2010, until Matt Forte and all these catches, like the Bears could not execute a screen pass to the running back. 
It was just impossible. <laughs> we watched every other team in the league do it, and there's a team that just could not do it. <laughs> yeah, so far this season, the uh, Den- Denver Broncos are throwing the pass to the running back just 11% of the time. Uh, last year it was 17%, which that's was. a precipitous drop off then to the which, which is about league average. So I, I think it's something that's going to come back and correct itself a little bit. Uh, Trevor Simeon, you know, he's fairly effective doing it just because he's not a great downfield thrower. But what it, what it means is then it takes away from some of those targets from Demarius and from Sanders because he keeps trying to push the ball downfield. He's looking for the bigger play when a lot of times you should take what, what's given there and let the other guy take the two-yard gain if it gets tackled, but let him, if he breaks the tackle, he could gain eight, nine yards so, more. One more thing. So Trevor Simeon is what you sort of call a shortest sticks thrower. He doesn't try and attack the first down marker. He likes to throw it short of sticks, let his guys make the play for him. And, you know, running back pass efficiency is the lowest of any position on third down. So if you're just dumping it off to these guys on third down, you're really losing that sort of effectiveness. But they've been more successful uh, using uh, Warren Sharp's sharpfootballstats.com. Like they've been more successful passing to to the running backs this season than they have last season. Do you remember one thing about Jamal Charles, and then let's move on to our uh, second-to-last game. Didn't he have the five-touchdown catch game? When he was the chief against the Denver Broncos, I don't know if it was. It might have been five total. You think five, five total? I think it was four. Okay, four. He caught four of them, I think. But I'm pretty sure it was, one was like a seventy-yarder. Yeah, I think it was against the Broncos. And the one thing I'll say is, I think they're going to be smart enough now that they can see, like, okay, this guy's not washed up. I'm totally done. Let's. Um, I think they're going to open up the whole repertoire to him. And figure out how to pass the ball to him more, how to get him more involved. I think CJ Anderson's still going to be great, but but I think it's also clear that, that they look at it now, and if they see what they're getting from Jamal Charles, that you don't need to say we need to overfeed CJ Anderson. Here's a guy who's never had more than 200 touches of carries in a season. Let's let's try to limit that so that we look. It's working. Um, CJ is more effective when he's getting that 15 and he's staying yeah. more fresh. And Charles is able to show us something with limited touches. Yeah, he had four touchdowns on eight receptions of, on eight targets for 195 yards. Despite rushing for just... Tr- against the Broncos, right? Yeah, uh, despite, no, against Oakland. Or, that, okay. that was against Oakland? That big yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, I d- thought that was against the team he's on. Despite right. rushing for just 20 yards on eight carries. Okay, it was against Oakland. I had in my mind that it was against the Broncos. Um, Let's go on to uh, the next game. You cool with that? Yeah. All right. Before we do that, what we're going to do is let you guys help us keep the lights on. Help me help you. (laughs) Thank you. One thing I'm going to do before we get into the Colts at the Seahawks, I'm going to give our last Pyro promo. Do us a favor. If you've been listening to us for two hours and 40 minutes and you haven't done so already, go to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Um, Give us a a nice little favorable write-up on why you like the show. In all honesty, if you hate the show and you're listening to two 40 minutes, you got problems, but you can write that up as well. Just go up on our, uh, and give us an iTunes review. And what I'm going to uh, say right now is it's uh, September uh, 26th. 
between now and this week four and week six, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, catalog and gauge how many reviews we're getting on iTunes. Um, I don't care what you give. Hopefully, it's a four or five star rating and a, and a good write up. But what we're going to do is if you do give us a, a review up on iTunes, we're going to put you in the, uh, the in a hopper, in the in the hopper to win a free year of Pyro Pro. So what we're going to do is we're going to go up until week six, did I say? Sure. Week six. Week six NFL games, if you're listening to this show and you haven't done so already, go to iTunes, give us a five-star, whatever-star review you want, do a write-up, and you'll be put in the hopper to win a free year that it's not just the end of the season, that's one year of Pyro Pro. Come on, guys. This sort of thing, if you're listening to us and love us and we're helping you win your leagues and you love being a part of the pyro journey here, this helps us be have a higher stature on the news and new and new noteworthy uh, action on and just helps us get more people know about us through iTunes, which is the de facto best way to learn about podcasts. And, and, and we want to get your responses, good or negative. But it's like even if you don't listen, if you don't like us, and you've been listening for two hours and forty minutes. It's like Private Parts and Howard Stern. You want to hear what we're going to say next? You see his balls, right? Would you say my balls are unusually long? They're a bit more distended than the average testicles. You got long ass balls, then. <laughs> Hook us up. Get on iTunes. Give us a five star rating. Give us a review. Put yourself in the bundle of people to win a Pyro Pro for a year free. That is going to happen uh, through our podcast for week six matchups. Long balls. Change your roles. Thank you. Alright, let's go on to the Colts at the Seahawks. This is football night in America. What are your thoughts on this one? This seems like uh, a dud. <sighs> Maybe. I mean, Joe, Jacoby Brissett has looked good. Mm-hmm. And the Steelers have not necessarily Paul looked good. good. But if Seahawks. Yeah, if, if there's a time for the Seahawks to show up, it's at home. It's like pork chops. He said Steelers. Oh, oh, I'm let's sorry. go, let's go. All good. If there's a time for the Seahawks to show up, it's at home in a primetime game on Sunday night against a rookie quarterback. You know, essentially a guy who's had what four starts in the NFL tops now. Uh, you're looking at a, a guy who's been on a team for three weeks. Yeah. Like this is the time for the Steelers defense to show up as you're currently ranked 23rd in the NFL. Uh, you're currently ranked 23rd in the NFL in defense. Uh, the offense really showed up last week with sort of Russell Wilson just going off, albeit and playing catch-up. Uh, but Russell albeit Wilson... Albeit in the fourth quarter? Yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson had a great... Well, let's, game, let's, let's, let's talk about the culture for this matchup. I mean... No. If you look, if you <laughs> no, look at that team, that's, like, what's, that's the problem. Okay, Brissett had a decent game last week. T.Y. Hilton had his... Finally had that blow-up game, 153 yards, I think it was. Um, nobody else had over 45 yards receiving. So uh, there's Good. no one else to throw nobody the ball to. Nobody else on their team is worth throwing the ball and, to. And you gave Gore <laughs> the, the lion's share of the carries, and he's giving you – it's yeoman's work for a man at his age doing what he's doing, but he's not going to give you any top-end production. It was 25 carries, 57 yards. He did score a touchdown. But 
two point one yards per carry. They know. They know. Oh, they know it. Yeah. Is, but Marlon Mack but, is not getting the, the carries. Well, he's because he's hurt. Right, right. So hurt. you have Matt Jones there, and you have Robert Turbin. They have no one to give the ball to. This is just it's fantasy irrelevant. Besides Ty Hilton, and God, you're hoping that he just gets targeted like he did last week. I still think you could start Gore just out of volume. Like he's one of those sort of flex players, and it might not be a great matchup. And the red zone because of because yeah. who else are you going to throw the ball to in the red zone? You can't. Yeah. You got to run the ball. And, and Ty. He's probably the boomer bust wide receiver three right now because of the quarterback situation, because of this matchup. But, you know, Brissett really had a great game. He threw the ball down the field. Uh, He rushed for two touchdowns. He scored 27.8 fantasy points. But it's all because of the rushing, because he's not going to give you multiple touchdowns throwing, because who's going to throw the ball to? Who's going to get open? Who's going to actually give him a chance in the red zone? It's on his legs. And again, Mm -hmm. without having that staunch. A real young attack at the running and back, but they don't. It's just workman, workman like for Frank Gorso. Brissett, that may be your nice, that could be a sneaky starter, but I wouldn't start him on a road in Seattle on Sunday night. Well, I'll say this Indy, the Indy Star reports that Luck uh, might practice this week. If that doesn't happen, it means at least he's close to coming back into the zone. Um, he's going to need a couple weeks of practice. Uh, it's not going to be something where if he starts practicing, he's playing that week. He, it's going to be a, a, a slow road to him being a starting. But the sooner that he's practicing, the sooner you know that he could be a, a viable uh, quarterback. And goddamn, Val Verde! I love arguing with kids. We just need, we just definitely need luck back in that situation because right now the Colts are the 28th ranked offense. They're 24th at QB, 22nd at, uh, at running back, 23rd at wide receiver, and 24th at tight end. And to be honest, those seem like better numbers than I would give them credit for considering that luck's out. Um, that's all I got to say. Yeah, on I just got one question for you real quick. Are you my Caucasian? I'm your f- man. Are you my Caucasian? I'm your fucking Caucasian. All right. All right. All right. All right. What the fuck did he say? Are you my Caucasian? Oh. He was talking to crazy guys, killer. God. Am I your... Yeah, I'm your Caucasian. Goddamn, goddamn. Goddamn, goddamn. Let's move on over to this, uh, the Seahawks. Yeah, Seahawks. Baldwin, day-to-day with the groin. What do you guys think? Is he playing? Is he playing this week? Stardom. He plays okay. the stardom. But you think he's going to play? Yes. Okay. So you think he's going to play stardom? Backfield's coming to focus. It looks like Carson's it's... Carson's uh, a deal, man. Carson's a deal, but also ProSize. Yes. He's got, getting his options. Uh, Chris Carson went from 50 snaps to 41. Uh, 50 in week two to 41. And ProSize went from 17 to 27. A nice little retweet stag party uh, put on our Twitter account. So... It essentially looks like they're going forward with these two guys. One guy's the hammer, one guy's the uh, third down nail. reception guy. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> Thunder and lightning? Hammer and nail, I like. <laughs> uh, and, it, and it means that Eddie Lacy probably should, he should be, be dropped every league. I mean, yeah, he should be dropped from your fantasy roster. Eventually, the, seal, uh, 
the Seahawks have to feel good enough about Thomas Rawls' health, yeah. and maybe if these other guys get banged up, that you release uh, Eddie Lacy because what the fuck's he doing? Just or you're out. holding him there because you had the trade deadline, and maybe someone will take a flyer for a six round pick, and you might get lucky. Maybe I think <coughs> the coach, the, the the owner of that team, is not worried about the money. It's like if. Carson goes down, and then the next week someone else gets hurt. It's like we can. It's throw insurance them. policy, yeah, but at the same insurance. time, it also could be insurance for a trade. You, you know, this is the new NFL to Week Eight, so you got these opportunities. The guys sitting doing nothing. Someone wants to give you something for it, you'll take it. Do you think anybody wants to give anything? I don't know that anyone anybody. does, but you know what? <laughs> you, you know what? Teams like Tampa Bay, teams like New York. Giants uh, or the Jets may decide to look at it because they're getting nothing out of what they got. Give a guy a chance, fresh outlook, and hey, we'll see what happens. Great point. Uh, one of your waiver wire guys was Paul Richardson. What are your thoughts on uh, him? Is he th- you, you, you know what you, you like? What what are your expectations? I, I don't have expectations that he's going to put up these monster weeks on a weekly basis, but he has this boom potential. He needs to have. The groin, uh, healthy Doug Baldwin out there to help draw attention away. You know, Richardson is not one of these. Look, look at his frame. Look at the way he's built. He's not going to be a guy who's going to give you uh, a, 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 a ten catches for a hundred yards or ten catches for eighty yards or that type of a performance. But he's one of those guys who can give you three catches for eighty-five yards and a score, and he gives you the most ridiculous highlight reel type catches. So. He's got mad skills. He's got mad talent. It's just a matter of him staying healthy and getting in the right opportunity with the other guys, drawing attention away so he has good one-on-one matchups. But just temper your expectations if you're thinking what he's going to do on a weekly basis. I mean, the part you like about Paul Richardson is Russell Wilson gives him opportunities deep down the field. Sometimes he'll just throw it up to him when he's covered. And he throws it up to him in the red zone because he knows this guy can leap out of his shoes. And Jimmy Graham hasn't really established himself as a red zone dominator in this Seahawks offense. Isn't that crazy? Um, and maybe it's something that starts happening here against the Colts because I think you got to play Jimmy Graham if you own him in this matchup. And you know, finally getting going last week against the Titans. Uh, so, and Chris Carson, like you guys talked about, is the guy uh, probably to own in standard leagues. He's probably going to be a back-end RB2 for you. And, you know, C.J. Procise has that PPR upside as a flex play. But Procise and Carson should probably be owned. I think at this point you could even let Thomas Rawls fall to the waiver wire. But, you know, depending on – I don't drop guys. It's just the drop guys. Like, no. I'll hold him if... Short bench, though. He's, yeah. He's got to be gone. You know what? If you're in a 10-team league and you're holding on to a guy, you don't need to be holding on to a guy like that in a 10-team no. league. You're in a 12-team or a 14-team league, you better be holding on to him because what else is out there on the waiver wire that you're picking up? Unless it's, it is a Wendell Smallwood or... We need to talk about that for the blog talk radio. Chris Thompson. <laughs> All right. Chris Thompson. Like... What a role! What a role that dude's carved out in that offense. It's awesome. Well, guess what? Well, we're about to let's go. There. Let's let's, let's go there. Anything else on Seattle? I'm done. Let's get to let's get to that. Monday night football is going to be the Redskins at the Chiefs. Um, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna do one last ad set way here and uh, do us a favor. Listen to this. All right, the last game Monday night. October 2nd, Redskins at the Chiefs. Who owns the Chiefs? And you want to know what's awesome is the Chiefs are like essentially most people's like power ranking number one, and the Redskins are like that defense that is the surprise hit of the summer or 
Indian summer. Fall. Uh, <laughs> uh, fine fall. Late uh, summer. Late But the Redskins look legit. Um, I'm going to let you guys get on it, and then I'll talk about some Redskins defense going. I don't know if the Redskins defense is really legit, or if it's just the fact you played Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, and Derek Carr in three weeks. So now we get to see sort of that same game manager style out of a guy like Alex Smith, who you probably expect 15 to 16 fantasy points out of, and if you're streaming him, it's a you know decent spot. But looking at the Washington Redskins offense and talking about the new sensation, Chris Thompson, his coaches already came out and said he's going to keep playing like that and he's going to want more touches, but he's not going to get them. Right. So, you know, you look at it, and this guy has a career-high touches of 17 in a game. Um, So you're looking in the 12 to maybe 15 range is his high-end options with more likely 10 touches a week. But a lot of them are going to come to the passing game. And he's they get him the ball in space. Look, Jay Gruden knows how to run an offense. They know how to set things up. They're not putting Chris Thompson in the situations where you ruin Chris Thompson. When you take a guy who is dynamic with the limited amount of touches that he gets, and you start giving him carries inside the tackles, and he starts getting beat up, and then he doesn't have the speed in order to do what he does when he comes in fresh. They're letting Samaj P. Ryan take the beating inside. You rush, you, do, you, you take all the hits, and then all of a sudden we're going to flash out and you get a little flick to Chris Thompson, and boom, he's gone. And they get him in the outside, they get him where it's got... He's got one guy in front of him to beat. He beats that guy, and then all of a sudden he's downfield. The problem with Samashi P. Ryan is he's probably dead right now. Uh, (laughs) Like, he fumbled, he hurt his hand. It was a rough game. And Rob Kelly is likely to be back sooner rather than later because he has a broken rib. So that's one of the things that has made most of it. You can put a flat jacket on him and give it back in uh, at least one more week. Pain tolerance. So he's going to be back. They've already said he's the running back one once back and healthy. So P. Ryan, you know, he's dead right now. He fumbled away his chance. Thompson, Couldn't agree more. Thompson, you know. I test P. Ryan, P. Tapes. P. The, the, the P. Test. The P. Stick says no. <laughs> uh, but also the dipstick. The dipstick. He's pregnant? Uh, he might be. That's why he's not running so well. Also, they're Should using harder when you're running for two. Stag is so mad. He's so mad, yeah. But just you know, this is what we do at the end of the show. So go ahead, finish it out. I won't. Oh look, it's, it's only four times. <laughs> I'm gonna do it one more time. Go ahead, <laughs> Chris Thompson. They're using him in some of the routes they've been using Jamison Crowder on. He's you know motioning out of the backfield and running short crossers and getting up against linebackers that can't physically stay with him. So you know Jamison Crowder's value is taking a hit because of it, and Terrell Pryor can't seem to hold on to the ball or you know connect on that deep pass just yet. Jordan Reed's banged up with that toe injury, so and chest. Yeah, and chest. And when Vernon Davis is healthy, though, or when Vernon Davis is active with no Jordan Reed, he's that interesting start. And he's that streamable sort of tight end. Uh, Josh Dotson finally showed up. Yeah, that was that was a sick grab. It was weird though. It almost looked like he Two already targets, caught it. though. Two targets. I know. It almost looked like he after he caught it, thought he already had it. I, I was worried that that guy was gonna like just 
dislodged the ball from before he got to the end zone. But are you long term as a as, as a kind of a buy low candidate? Is Pryor gonna be better than he's been so far? Would you go after him and try and trade for him, or is what he is is kind of what we've seen? Maybe with a little more upside than what we've had so far. But what are your feelings on? I'll, I'll ask both of you, Stag Party. What are your feelings on a, a, a prior f- for season forward? I mean, is he going to be as bad as wide receiver 71 with, you know, <laughs> hmm. 10 catches on 19 targets for just 116 yards? No, he's not going to be that bad. Is he suddenly going to be a 1,000-yard receiver? You know, probably not at the current pace, but it, I, I do think better times are ahead. I don't know if that there's a good trade out there you can make for him though. What are you willing to give up for Terrell Sun? Well, here's here's Fuck no. Up, no, but here's here's how where it comes out. Where are Sammy you? Watkins? When no. you're no, no, we're, no, because none of those trades make Both sense. Both those guys reacted much, much. I understand, lower. but but it, they're okay. not trades that make sense in the in the time of, of when we're talking about okay. trades. So Try like Cooper Cup. What I, no, no, what I, no, no. See, not even there. What I'm looking at is not trading the same position. You're trading another position, but you're going to trade. A failing running back who also has potential for this failing wide receiver, and you're saying, "Hey, I may have depth here. You have depth here. This works out." So show me mine. I'll show you. Right. So who's, so what, who's Lamar the, who, Miller? So maybe a Lamar Miller for a tour. Yeah, I wouldn't even do that. Well, okay, or someone like a like somewhere in a that Mira range. So, somewhere in that range where it's like All right, the person willing to make the trade. I'm willing to take the shot on Terrell because of this. The difference is the difference is this. I know with Terrell Pryor and with, with Kirk Cousins, he likes to throw the ball around a lot. He likes to try to throw for 300 yards and they have these big games. And he wants to be a guy throwing the ball, not just handing it off to somebody. And I also know that the Washington Redskins, as you've now said, and we saw it with, with Samaj P. Ryan and with uh, Rob Kelly when he comes back, they don't really have that guy that they can just hand it to on a consistent basis. So the ball is going to be in the quarterback's hands and throw to somebody. So I'll take my chances and try to sell off one of my other underperforming projects and take on that project. And so you're selling it to the other person and you're saying, look, hey, let's just make a, a, a deal here that makes sense for both of us. We're both in extra depth. I need this. You need that. And I think it makes a good, a good idea. That's all I got for the Redskins. I like Kirk Cousins this week. Are you trying to play a song? Well, if you're going to sell right. it like that, you just got to do it right. You know, I always thought I could be a, a great salesman. Well, believe me, I could talk anybody into anything, except women into sex. That's the only thing I can't do. But other than that, I know how to manipulate people. I'm very good at it. <laughs> Jordan Reed has 8.4 fantasy points through three games, and he's injured. This is a this is problematic. Uh, let's go to the other side, but what I will talk about before before we do that is uh, Greg uh, Minuski. I'm going to tell you right now, watching that guy on the sidelines, it looks like he would, out of all the defense coordinators, he could put on the pads and jump in and, 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 and probably scare some running backs. Maybe knock the shit out of Kareem Hunt in this game if he was playing middle linebacker. That guy is... He's, he's what I would project as a defensive coordinator. Love it. Um, and the last thing I'll say on this defense is that Swearinger's hit on Lynch. Have you ever seen Marshawn Lynch get hit like that? Not that I can recall. Did right it now. remind you of a Steve Atwater? 
Steve Atwater, a little, a little uh, Bob, Koye. what was the guy on the Colts? Bob Sanders. Bob Sanders, no, but the Krishna Koye yeah, stand-up yeah, Steve Atwater yeah. hit. It was, it was, all, it was pretty awesome. This, I, I do think that this Redskins defense seems to be taking on a, uh, a, 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 a attitude, attitude, swagger, 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 swagger. Yeah. Okay. Let's go on to thank you. Both good words. I couldn't come up with it. Thank you very much. Kansas City Chiefs. Kareem Hunt. We know he's Let's see. Kareem Hunt, stardom. Tyreek Hill, stardom. Travis Kelsey. Yeah, you're probably starting him. Uh, all these guys are locked in. Tyreek Hill's a top four wide receiver. Kareem Hunt's the number one running back in fantasy football. Can I just say one thing about Kareem Hunt? The worst game he's had so far is 109 total yards with two touchdowns. That's the, the worst yardage game. <laughs> He's a machine. Go ahead. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, you're not starting a guy that's like Albert Wilson or Chris Conley or no. Demetrius Harris or Charkandrick West. This is a three-team, like, or a three-player, you know, Travis Kelsey. It's Tyreek Hill. It's Kareem Hunt. And that's it. Like, and you could probably get away with Alex Smith as your quarterback. I don't think he has tremendous upside. I don't think you're ever going to see that other, you know. No, not that game again. You're never going to see that New England week again. But can he get you 16 fantasy points or maybe 20 against (laughs) Washington? Yeah. Especially with what Tyreek Hill is being able to add as an extra dimension. And now that Kareem Hunt has been solidified as this is a threat. When you had over, when you had 148 yards rushing in week one, 172 in week two, week three. At that point in time, teams are now over jumping to Kareem Hunt, and that's only going to say Tyreek Hill. You're going to get a couple more of these deeper shots. Conley as well. Yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be. Not that I think you want to start Conley, but a- amen, amen, all across the board. Good friggin' show. Love, it. love the, the three of us are back here again. Um, at three hours, what's the name of this music? This band? Oh, yeah, this band. Young Holt Universe. Let's do it. Fellas, I love you. Week four. We're giving you for foreshadowing for week oh, four. Unlimited. Let's do it. I'm sorry, Young Holt Unlimited. I, unlimited. I, I, got, I knew it was a U. I, I got, I got, I'm drunk and I went the other way. Wow, wow, man. What beer are you drinking? Uh, Ballast Point Big I IPA. Nice. I'm drinking a Mango Surprise by Arcadia Ales. We love you, Pyros. Thanks for joining us on this journey. If you listen to us for three hours, you win, but we win as well. And let's listen to this band. Stag Party, holla for a dollar. Chicago Soul, 1966 and 74. Holla for a dollar.